1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. I hope everyone had an opportunity to listen to episodes 118 and 119. And as I promised, today for episode 120, we have Wide Awake Jim back on the show. And he is going to, folks, in 12 minutes cover 196 documents this is a world record we're going for now ladies and gentlemen uh wide awake jim is here if you have not had the opportunity to i recommend you go back and listen to episodes 80 and eighty-eight Episode 80 was four hours, originally broken up into eight parts. I put it out on the Public Side podcast in full for you guys, so you can listen to that straight through. I don't know. You're going to have to scroll back through Apple Podcasts or Google or Amazon, wherever you listen, but I put that out in full, so you don't have to listen to it broken up. I did the same thing with episode 88, which is two hours, and we go through the climate change hustle. Jim presents all of his documents, charts, graphs to prove the climate change hustle is in fact a hustle it's a lie admitted to by the united nations and all the other folks that are involved with that now we're going to start going through a lot of documents coming out of the u.n bank for international settlements a lot of the stuff we've covered here over the last 15 or 20 episodes as i told you i was prepping for jim to come back on so this way we had reviewed the panel discussions by bis by the international monetary fund and others and this way when Jim's talking about this, you should have a solid understanding of the foundation of this material. So there's a lot here, folks. Also, if you want to join us over at pain.tv slash gold, it's less than $9 a month. You can join. You get access to the ad-free video version of the Dustin Gold Standard. And on episode 80 and 88, we had the young bucks over at pain.tv post all of Jim's PDFs and charts and graphs. So you guys can get access to all that. You can download those on there. There if you want to look at it, so let me introduce Jim for those of you that don't know him uh, that are going to go back and listen to 80 and 88 for the rest of you that do know Jim from the Thomas Payne podcast from Mike Moore's Hotwire and from the Dustin Gold Standard. Just hang with us for a couple of minutes and then we will get into the new material jim thank you very much for coming by the show again we appreciate it i know you've been traveling for work you've been busy celebrating christmas and probably making a lot of money in the oil and gas royalties sector so how are you today sir good dustin good to be back um
0: yeah i've been gone a while so i apologize you know trying to run a business and the holidays and and traveling and reading just a few documents uh it's taken so long (laughs) to get back on your show
1: (laughs) now what i'm going to do folks which i normally don't do i'm taking off the superman cape which comes in the form of these gold aviator sunglasses today because i've got to flip through a lot of documents i prepped you guys over the last several episodes As the emails were pouring in from Jim, (laughs) I would say to you guys, "Uh uh-oh, he just sent another 58 documents. Now what? And so we spoke yesterday, as I mentioned, on yesterday's podcast. We spoke on the phone for a couple hours, talked about this. So there's a lot of material to go through, and I think, Jim, before we get started, just for the people tuning in for the first time, or maybe they they only listen to a few shows, I mentioned you're in the oil and gas royalties business, which is what... what sparked your interest in this stuff because you were trying to prove to yourself uh and anyone that you were going to say sell this investment vehicle to and for your own personal investments that the green sector the solar panels the electric cars the batteries and all that stuff was not going to put oil and gas out of business and that's how you started actually doing all of this research over the past year or so correct that's correct um i basically I mean, in my
0: head I knew, uh, but I wanted to go, I always, I don't want to speculate. I'm not a scientist. You know, I always like to look at source documents, uh, you know, but I had read enough physics of energy um, documents and reports over the years of being in the oil and gas business and really since 2010 to know that the reason oil is used for, for the products it's used for. And the reason, natural gas is used for what it's used for. And same with coal is it has to do with energy density and it's all physics. So I, I kind of had a hunch that it was all a bunch of BS. Um, but I, as you said, you know, the last thing I want to do is put people into an investment and let alone my own investments, uh, that are going to vanish in 10 years if they, if they have their way or if, if what they say was actually really going to come to fruition. So I had to go do that homework
1: yeah that makes total sense I mean it was funny because you were telling me about someone you had met uh, through the pain dot tv platform i believe you know it's a big community of folks over there. there's a couple thousand people for those of you who are interested i would think about signing up at pain.tv slash gold because you're going to get access to a like-minded group of folks and people are sharing investment opportunities gardening tips farming i mean it really is a great community but you had said someone had mentioned you said wait man how do you have time to do all this research into this quote-unquote political stuff or conspiracy stuff when you have a business to run and you said what you're talking about that is my business. Like, if I didn't do due diligence, then I'd be going out there, as you just mentioned, selling something to people that could uh, very I'm well no be different than a used car business. salesman
0: or a snake oil salesman if I don't do, do my homework
1: exactly. And I think, just as a recap, in your own words, with episodes 80 and 88. That we covered here and you've covered a lot of content over at the Thomas Paine podcast on a Mike Moore's Hotwire, which is his uh, highest level tier of membership at paine.tv slash gold. But you were saying, uh, like here we basically with everything that you showed and this was all their words, all their documents coming out of the UN, coming out of uh, all these different branch off organizations funded by the climate hustle. The whole thing essentially is a big giant fake industry i mean yes it's generating money and yes there are people making money in it yes there are people like grifters that know that it's fake inside there there are the others that don't they just go to work in a cubicle they're a secretary at a company that does solar panels but what what would you say the thesis is on those first two episodes you know what what did you prove well first thing we proved is
0: that the green grift is never going to happen with the reason it's a green grid wind and solar are never going to take over as the number one electricity supply uh and it's not just me speculating this comes again from their documents Uh, you know there's a geology survey of finland um this this the, the lead scientist is all about energy transition and he flat out says this is never going to happen we, we have to find 42 times or 42,000% the amount of lithium. And for every one lithium mine or any mine, for that matter, any metal, doesn't matter. For every one producing mine that becomes, you know, c- c- where you can economical and actually produce stuff, you got to find a thousand deposits. This is just never going to happen. And, and, and they want it to happen, but it's not going to happen. So we prove that, that it is a lie. It is to socially engineer people into what they want. Again, you've talked to your audience. They're well aware of of what the end goal is with the CBDC chip in their hand. Nobody would accept that. And so I think people need to understand you have to start at the end and work backwards to figure out what's going on today. If you try to analyze what's going on today without knowing the end result, it's really complicated. But if you start at the end result of the CBDC chip in your hand and work backwards and no problem, reaction, solution, it's actually quite simple. And so all those documents that we went through in 80 and 88 were were a couple of things. We proved that wind and solar and electric vehicles and all that's never going to work. It's all just a sales pitch to socially engineer people into carbon credits. And And secondly... Oil and gas really isn't going anywhere. They're sinking billions and billions and hundreds of billions of dollars into this stuff. And they're not just going to let it evaporate.
1: Yes, exactly. So uh, let me ask you this because you mentioned – Uh, You had said there, uh, just a generality, they would like to see it happen. Now, would you say the guys at the top, like the the top dog social engineering class, they know that it's not going to happen and that it was never going to happen. Would you say sort of the scientists, you know, the lab geeks, the true believers along the way, they're the ones who would love to see, you know, it happen, like we're wind and solar and batteries overtake oil and gas like they're the ones the worker bees you know people just like you and me that are sucked into this industry they went to college for it i mean they would be sort of the true believer worker bees that would love to see it happen although they don't realize the guys at the top of the food chain have no intention of ever making it happen
0: i think it depends on the scientists you're listening to because you know there's scientists in say the field of climatology that are on both sides of the aisle ideologically Mm. um some believe it some don't believe it you got you know we what we learned the last two years if you didn't already know it a lot of people learned the funding for medical research under the fauci coronacon right model that if you don't play ball the way they want you to play then they're going to take your funding away so you've got scientists that are just playing ball to keep their career right so it it depends And, and for people that you know Really want to understand this stuff. What we've presented in 80 and 88, what we're going to present over the next few shows is it's their words, it's their documents, it's their science, it's their data. 95% of what we're going through is their stuff. It's 5%, maybe speculating as to how the p- puzzle pieces fit together, but they give us the puzzle pieces. <laughs>
1: Exactly. That's the same thing, as my audience knows, uh, that I do here with all the content I cover. I use their articles, their white papers, their panel discussions, their speeches, their lectures, their books, you know, and basically what you're doing is just analyzing that stuff and then connecting the dots because you may have a document from Bank for International Settlements here and then a document from International Monetary Fund here. No one ever put those two together and then people say, well, where'd you get that information? Uh, You want me to tell you it came from a New York Times journalist? No, I'm the journalist. I'm the guy who took that and took that and put the two together because no one else did. So that's really all we're doing. We're taking all the pieces of the puzzle that they give us and connecting them together. Now, my guess on this is that the majority of the people that work inside of the grift, inside of the hustle, aren't doing that, they don't know that. They're just one scientist at one lab supported by one think tank or one organization. They don't know all this other stuff that's going on. Like when you found the geological survey from Finland that we covered here in, I believe that was episode 80, that was mind-blowing, I mean, mind-blowing stuff where they're telling the people in their own scientific community that, wait a second, what's going on, we can't accomplish this. There's not enough of this material enough of this uh i mean it's it's mind-blowing material when you actually find it but yet the grift still continues and i think the whole industry is created and the grift is allowed to go on because that's what creates buy-in from a large sector of the population like you have said before the tesla cars the ev cars all that are really just marketing you see them on the road you see the windmills in texas when you're driving down the road these disgusting windmills that destroy the uh the view as you're driving down the highways. Um, that's all part of the marketing because then people go, oh, green is real. Look, there's 12 windmills over there on the side of the highway. They're obviously working to do this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not like they're not spending the money on all the, all this stuff. I mean, look at you and I've talked offline about the, the smart cities, right? Everybody's heard the term by now smart cities. Well, what does that mean? Well, essentially it means the total surveillance state, like the China model with <laughs> with uh, you know, facial recognition cameras and all kinds of sensors and stuff. And if you go just drive around your hometown, look at all the new gadgets and lights at, at intersections. Look if you're on the interstate, look at all those big giant, I don't know, two, three hundred foot lights they're putting up that look like little spaceships, and then on the every exit on and off ramp. They've got three brand new street lights. Well, if you look all that stuff up, it's not just lights. They've got cameras, they've got sensors, and then one of the BIS documents that we're going to go through uh, talks about that we uh, those those uh, that technology is not just tracking humans; it's also collecting carbon data. Isn't yeah, that interesting? It, I mean, so no. this stuff is real. They are putting it up.
1: Whether they get to implement it, who knows? No, I know. It, well, it is crazy, because you took a road trip uh, the last couple weeks of the year, and the next thing you know, because you had just started studying that stuff, and the next thing you know, you're sending uh, Marie Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, and me. All your spy videos of their spy cameras, <laughs> and once see once your brain is locked into this stuff, and you know it's you there, see it everywhere. You cannot unsee it. It's like this is no. the truth about being awoken from the matrix. Like once you're unplugged from the matrix, you can see it. And and um, that a lot of that went up during COVID land, the high school theater production when yep. they had everyone locked out. All of a sudden, there were smart poles everywhere. There was a story back when the was it Christmas two years ago when the guy in Nashville tried to blow up the AT&T building. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I was living there at the time and I didn't have internet for a couple days. But the story that should have came out of that was they had these smart poles there. So all of a sudden in all the news, they go, well, they use the smart poles to try to direct him out of his truck and everything. I'm like, smart poles? What the hell are smart poles? And I remember that was the first time I looked those up and I said, when did they start installing these things all over Nashville? Where was the vote from the town council on this? Uh, That's the weird kind of technology that's going up all over the place. But you're right, uh, after you sent it to me, It's like, all right, in another 10 or 15 shows, maybe I'll start talking about this. So I started doing research into it. And when you talk about it's real, as in that they're building it, they're manufacturing it, they're installing it. There's already a dozen big companies out there that are building smart poles that have carbon meters on them. They could talk through them. They could blast sound waves through them. They're taking in sound. They're shooting video. They can project out these LED light signals. I mean, all kinds of crazy technology on these things.
0: Yeah, and feel free um, to sh- when you when you post this on on Pain TV for the people that aren't subscribers, not only do you get links to all the documents, but these documents are highlighted, so it's really easy if you if you want that. Um, but you can post those pictures I sent you, and so people yeah. can see what the gadgets look like, and they can start seeing it in their town and their city. And, and look, the first time I went to or earlier in the year when I went to Texas. And I drive, folks. I don't fly. I, I'm done with flying unless I have to go across an ocean. Um, from Texarkana to Dallas, for 90 miles, these big, giant, spaceship-looking lights were, were at every off-ramp uh, uh, along the highway, Interstate 30, for 90 miles. I mean, I was in the middle of the country, in the middle of nowhere, bunch of farms. There was literally nothing at the exit except a road. Nothing. No gas station, no nothing. And these lights are out there. Well, coming back this last time, uh, I noticed that leaving Dallas, going towards Texas, Ar- Texarkana, they were starting to fill in the gap. By the time I go again, you know, maybe in late January, early February, who knows? Maybe the whole thing will be full. That's a long ways. They are putting these things up everywhere. My hunch is, and this is a hunch, this is part of the speculation, putting the puzzle pieces together. My hunch is that it's tied to the federal infrastructure road uh, funding because as we learned from technocracy studying technocracy and patrick wood and everybody else that the federal funds don't go from the federal government to the state government or the local government they go from the federal government to an ngo and those ngos Mm -hmm. are tied to the globalists the elite you know everybody the un everybody the bis everybody involved in the control grid And so in order to get those funds, you have to put up these lights and sensors and smart poles and all this other crap.
1: Yeah, it's it's the same way they did it with federal highway funds years ago. Yeah. They started getting the states addicted to the federal highway dollars. And then once they got them addicted to that, your state's getting a billion, $2 billion a year. The federal government starts saying, well, you're going to have to implement common core in the school system if you want to continue to get the $2 billion yep. in federal highway funds. It's called funds.
0: conditionality in these reports. It's called conditionality. That's exactly what they're referring to.
1: Yeah. No, it's amazing. And the thing is, it's like you just said, uh, this is you're speculating on this but that is what it could be tied to you know the federal infrastructure money now if you wanted to and i'll probably do it in future shows it will probably take me a couple hours of digging down a rabbit hole and guess what we'll find that i mean it'll be there we'll be able to prove that because everything they do is in writing and they don't hide it before you know it, you're going to find out that the company building the polls is so-and-so's cousin and he got the contract i mean it's just it's always there and whenever i have A hunch. I go, let me go look that up. Oh, Peter Thiel's behind it. Look at that. How did I know? It's like you know. Yeah, <laughs>
0: it's it's not hard to find either. It's not like I'm I'm digging all over the BIS's website all the time. Lots of times the way I find these reports is I read an article, and in the article, it talks about a report came out from so and so, and it had a has a link to the report. Well, I don't care what the journalist writing the article says about the report, I could care less. So I want to read the report for myself. I'll make my own decisions on on what the report says, right? So that's how I find a lot of these these reports. And then in the reports, they talk about other groups or other organizations or other reports that I've never heard of, and you go look them up, and that's how you go down the rabbit holes. It's the actual source documents. I literally could care less what some journalist says about a report, (laughs) as much as I could care less about a politician in D.C.
1: Yeah, that's that's what happens on this show. I start off wanting to cover a topic real quick for the audience, and then the next thing you know, that episode spans over four episodes because I'm in the <laughs> middle of reviewing an article. And I go, "Huh, what's this article they're referencing? Oh, what's this document they're talking about?" Before you know, it, you have 39 documents to read. All right, let's take a look um, at this. Well, outline. I hate to tell your audience,
0: you know, I shared you w- with us in this this book written by. Uh, uh, <laughs> anthony sutton called the federal reserve conspiracy it's 80 pages and it's so good it's probably the best thing ever written on the federal reserve and it's factual he's going to read the whole book to you so sorry folks
1: no, I, I actually mentioned that the other day that you sent that over to me. And I said, I'm kind of online looking to see if I could find a first edition of this. But I said, um, I am going to read it. But what I decided is, because Jim said it's so good that I'm going to want to read it to you. Then the first time I read it is going to be when I read it to you. Why well, read it twice. That's how I look cool. at it. <laughs> All right. So yeah, let's pull it's, up. It's, it's outstanding. No, so this was a basic... Um, outline and again folks th- there's 196 documents and these are pieces that jim has pulled out of articles uh white papers research papers annual reports all this stuff and they're all broken down and highlighted so i said to jim how are we going to go through this? Because he always comes to the show with, like, a detailed outline. If I break from the outline, he threatens to torture me. No, I mean? <laughs> so, so he said, well, I've got some basic themes here we're going to discuss. So let me start with that, and then we'll start working our way through these documents and try to make sense of all this stuff for you. So, Jim, why don't you explain this outline that we have up on the screen for the folks over at Payne.tv slash gold yeah cool so a lot of these
0: so here's what we're going to go through we're going to go through some articles some just graphs um a lot of documents from the bis documents from the united nations and sister or uh, related organizations that fall under one of their umbrellas and there's so many documents that it's just really it would take forever to organize them in a in a, in a fashion so What I think made the most sense was I jotted these themes down as I was going through these documents, and so that way there's no particular order of the documents we're going to go through. But they'll you'll you'll see these themes. Maybe you'll find some more. You know, let let Dustin know if you find other common themes in here. But this is what stood out to me. So essentially, (laughs) uh, all of this is to save the poor and the indigenous peoples from climate change because. The global temperature is wreaking havoc on uh, the southern hemisphere, not so much the northern hemisphere. For some reason, it's like it's like smart corona, coronavirus knows that to attack people in a restaurant when they're walking in, but not when they're sitting down eating. Uh, so similar concept. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, similar concept there. Um, and, and I was going to say, second, Jim, because we talked about that on the show or on the phone yesterday, and that's the same theme that I pointed out to you guys with the Bank for International Settlements panel discussion and the IMF panel discussion where they talk about how they have to bring central bank digital currency to all of these indigenous people in Africa and South America because they're unbanked and they have to make them banked. It's the same exact play. It's the same bumper sticker slogan for climate change. You know, they're coming to save the poor and the indigenous people. They were doing just fine until we showed up (laughs) with all of these solutions, but... uh, Uh, No, it's interesting because you see that uh, being run time and time again. It's just a tug at human emotions and the tug at the heartstrings.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, the World Bank, if you go on their website, they're there there to um, end poverty. That's their entire mission. Um, but yet, not one country that they've "quote unquote" rescued has come out of poverty. So that's yeah. kind of weird.
1: Yeah, exactly. In the, in the 80, <laughs> yeah, in the eighty years the World Bank and the IMF has been in existence, yeah. they haven't uh, solved poverty yet. Yet they yet have access not one to all developing this money.
0: country has become developed over their entire <laughs> existence. Not one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and so folks, keep in mind too: the very end game here is a carbon uh, credit. Economic system, no more dollars, carbon credits is the new quote-unquote money. Um, And it's a CBDC chip in your hand. So you have to think, okay, how do you get people to want to do that or sign up for that? You have to socially engineer them to take take that, as well as a vaccine ID or passport uh, in that CBDC chip in your hand. So think about that's the end result. How do you create the problems to socially engineer people into that trap? um think about that as we're going through all these documents
1: yeah and just before you move to number two let me just throw this in there quick so people know because we were covering a lot of this uh in the past like 20 episodes uh since you were on an 88 you sent me into this freaking rabbit canyon of CBDC and all this stuff What Jim just said is so true. They have to engineer everyone into it, and that goes back to the original definition of technocracy, which is the science of social engineering. They're going to engineer you into this technological prison planet system. I mean, that is the goal. The other thing is people have to willingly accept it. You know, some of us will be pushed into it, coerced into it more than others, but they have to get people to accept it. They don't want to do this with guns and military. It will totally defeat the purpose if they have to come to your door with machine guns and drag you out on the street and chip you on your front lawn. That That's not what they want to do. They take the long road so, to socially engineer people into this stuff. Right. And perfect example of what's going on in the local news
0: and the national news on a nightly basis. What do you see? violence in new york violence in chicago violence in philadelphia violence in all these major cities well go look at go to zero Hedge. there's an article literally today quoting new york city mayor that people look at these all these cameras that we have up as big brothers watching us he, no he goes no big brother's here to save you to keep <laughs> you safe he literally says this and they're using facial recognition again that's the china model Okay, nobody, just like the chip in your hand, nobody, left or right, doesn't matter what side of the aisle you are, nobody really wants that type of surveillance state in the major cities. So they have to create crime so bad that it justifies it. Yeah. and 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 The crime's not going to go away. They're going to make it worse to justify it.
1: Right, and then, and then you have people like my father, God bless his soul, Fox News conservative. He's been on this show, so now I can publicly uh, talk crap about him. But my father, who was a former cop, right, so he always sides with the cops, he will say to me on day one, oh, you know, this is ridiculous. The mayor is turning people against the cops, and now they're incentivizing crime. They're allowing people to run around and commit crimes. But then, as soon as one of Peter Thiel's cameras with facial recognition, like his company, Clearview, AI is doing catches some guy some random guy basically propaganda that comes out of New York City who pushed someone into a subway my father goes damn right for those AI cameras I said well who installed those wasn't that the same mayor that you were just complaining about yesterday that's against police and he's pro-crime he's the same guy who was in charge when they installed facial recognition you don't connect the two that the idea is to push people away from actual human policing into the idea of facial recognition dystopia Policing, I, I, but see that's there's a disconnect where some people just can't put the two together. It doesn't make any sense to me because you and I can see it. I'm sure the people in the audience can see it, but there's just so many people out there that can't connect the two that they're constantly well, socially engineering you deeper into maybe, a technocratic system. Just
0: maybe after you read Anthony Sutton's book on there, people will people re- <laughs> when people realize everything they were taught in history in school was was a bunch of crap. <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> and how woodrow wilson was installed by the bankers to get the federal reserve act passed <laughs> literally installed uh then you maybe start to realize that the person in the white house doesn't matter
1: yeah exactly and this the big picture for everyone again the stuff we do here isn't to uh you know, black pill you so that you run under your bed and, and cry yourself to sleep. It's because people are talking about solutions and goals and how to solve some of the problems and until you actually understand your enemy, where they came from, where they're at right now and where they're going in the future, you can't put realistic goals together and you can't work yeah. towards achieving those goals until you actually understand what's coming. I, I've been saying on the show, I don't believe necessarily that uh, there's going to be a worldwide revolt But you can solve a vast majority of these problems in your personal life if you actually understand what's coming. If you snapped your fingers and everyone in this world understood what this system is, there still might be 50% of people who agree with it and they go listen, I wanna be told what to do. I like being a slave, that's fine. So 50% of the people want it, it's gonna be very hard for you to get rid of the whole entire system. As Jim just explained with the climate grift, that's one piece of this puzzle. It goes to show why so many people are on board. Why? Because they let the money flow through the grift and everyone down to your neighbor who's a salesman for a solar panel company is getting paid, he gets a paycheck. That's how he's been engineered into the system. So this is how they manipulate everyone. But you could do things in your life, and we're going to eventually talk more about this over the next few months, in your life to escape this. We've been talking a lot about it here. I've given you some of the tips that Jim has talked about. I talked to you yesterday about going analog, about using cash, avoiding using your debit card for small transactions all over town. These are things you can actually do to protect and insulate yourself and your family. These are the real solutions to the actual problems that we're facing. All right, Jim. Let's get on to number 2. And the two, biggest solution is teach your kids because the Rockefellers that are worth hundreds
0: of trillions of dollars I I suspect at least trillions uh and their and their cronies that are running this that that are at the top of the food chain okay they own the BIS right the BIS is at the top of the org chart they think in terms of generations not decades so think about our kids my kids your kids that have a, grew up with a cell phone have always known a cell phone Try to get them to go to a landline. Not happening. So when they roll out CBDC in a decade or so, it'll be largely voluntary. Voluntary. But our kids and our future grandkids, it won't be. So you have to educate the kids, too
1: exactly hey jib one other thing before you get to number two if you can uh because i covered this in the show and i want to make sure we got it right so bis bank for international settlements is the bank for the central banks and they were started in 1930 and then you have the world bank which is like also an association of the banks the central banks and then you have um the international monetary yeah, fund yeah they were formed in 1944 coming out of the brenton woods conference about a year before world war ii actually ended um so bis there is i think 65 or 68 central bank members even though there's what 190 65. something central banks right now
0: yeah there's i think it's 65 bank uh central banks are owners of the of the bis and we know in the u.s i think there's 26 private banks that own the federal reserve uh, but we don't know about other countries so you know it's owned by private bankers uh when you yeah again this is the part of the five percent speculation because it's not written anywhere you know the rothschilds own a big chunk of this you know the rockefellers do you know the warburgs do you know um uh, you know, some, the, the Morgan family does, you know, that all the big banking names, you know, they own a piece of it.
1: Well, because I think you mentioned to me, just so the audience knows, because this is where you get to the point when you're doing your own independent research where you hit sort of a brick wall and you can't pull the curtain back and see who the wizard is. People like Catherine Austin Fitz, uh, John Titus, others that you get information from, that you're a paid member on some of their uh, subscription-based services. Those are the type of people you follow who are researching this stuff all day. That happens to be their area of interest when you go to the bis or you go to like you said with the federal reserve some of these you actually hit a brick wall where you can't get behind the curtain right there you just can't find who actually yeah physically i cannot owns
0: find who actually owns the bis neither can john titus neither can richard verner or Catherine austin fitz so we don't know we have to speculate i mean it seems kind of uh plausible uh, highly plausible that J.P. Morgan family, Rockefeller, Rothschild, Warburg, all those big banking names own at least a portion of the BIS. Um, I personally suspect the Rockefellers are at the top of the food chain, but they're all in it together.
1: Okay, and I think that's just important for the audience to know because that's uh, what I always find interesting. If I'm researching whatever, any particular topic uh, about a tech company or something, and I'm trying to get behind uh, the curtain, and I go, wait a second, I'm hitting a brick wall here. All right, now we got to a point where they're actually trying to hide something. Uh, The other thing, just before you continue, I want to just mention, earlier you were talking about the hand chips and the digital IDs and how all this comes together, and we covered that, over a few episodes, I had found this company, Consensus, which is yeah. owned by a guy named Joseph Lubin, who was co-founders of Ethereum with this guy named Vidilak Buter, and it was funded by Peter Thiel when he was developing Ethereum. And this company, Consensus, is a software company that specializes in building blockchain technology on top of the Ethereum Protocol. They're partnered in with several of the central banks. They've met with BIS. I mean, this is all documented stuff. They met with the IMF. They met with the World Bank. And then they're working with all these pri- so-called private sector partners like Visa, MasterCard, Citi, uh, TD Bank. And they they actually are involved with the Bank for International Settlements Innovation Hub Embridge Project. They were kind of in the running of this CBDC that almost got pushed through with the first COVID land uh, stimulus bill. So it's interesting. I walked the audience through this because I showed them. What's this company p- pushing? What are all their case studies? Digital IDs, blockchain to help smart cities, blockchain to help vaccine passport pushing, uh, CBDC. So when you see a company like this that's uh, connected to, say, a, a Peter Thiel, there's also CIA and QTEL money connected to them, Microsoft, SoftBank. You say to yourself, oh, look at look at their uh, their suite of products they're offering, digital. IDs, vaccine passports, blockchain, CVDC. It's all the stuff that Jim just mentioned a few minutes ago. You know, when you find these big tech companies that are working with the big private sector money and the governments and the central banks, you go, well, look at all the key pieces of software and technology they're building. And it has to do with exactly what Jim was just talking about.
0: Yeah. That's, that's, uh, and Inbridge is one of the if not two or three BIS documents that I sent you that we're going to go
1: through. Oh yeah. It's a, the Enbridge is interesting. And then I've yeah. heard Bo Lee, which you'll probably get into Bo Lee <laughs> managing director of the BIS. I've heard. Oh, him talk Oh yeah. About.
0: You got to love it when they tell you what's really happening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So uh number two here on number your two. common themes when you go
0: through these green documents uh we have to switch to regenerative farming because the big ag model is not working but yet they never mentioned the hundred years of chemical poisoning by monsanto and these other other groups uh obviously started with the Rockefellers again um but you know that were were poisoning the soil and all the food supply no mention of that but we have to suddenly yeah, you know, they, they've suddenly have become benevolent and we have to switch to regenerative farming to improve our health Uh, (laughs) number three is along the same lines we have to protect the pollinators you know (laughs) even though you know the uh what the the beehives colony colony collapse syndrome or whatever uh there has been some scientific studies proving that it is the pesticides uh that are killing them but you know you don't hear that on the nightly news
1: yeah. Meanwhile, and, they're uh, G- GMOing mosquitoes and right. uh, modifying their okay. DNA. And Bill Gates, obviously one of the big like front puppet men involved with this industry as well. But yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah all the petrochemicals,
0: all that crap, you know that yeah, that poison the planet. Yeah. No mention of that for the last hundred years. Exactly. Don't worry about what we it. did. Just, just trust us. We have to switch to this model now.
1: Right, like you said, with Monsanto's and forcing all the small local farmers yeah. off their farms. I mean, it's that's what we talked about here over the last twenty episodes. Where I call them economic terrorists because they are terrorists. They yeah. go in and they go in and they and it all operates on the problem reaction solution loop. It, it always is. They create the problem, and then they go. Oh, big ag is not working. Wait, you created it what are you talking about this is your problem that's right and you'll see in these
0: documents uh we have to act now time is running out in fact there's a un document titled the closing window hurry up (laughs) that's what they, they tell you in that document hurry the hell up What's taking
1: so long? Right, uh-huh. and, and just and just so the audience knows, when you talk about that kind of a document, the closing window, who is the audience that that is written for? That's for all the people within the industry? Industry, uh,
0: politicians, policymakers, governments, yep.
1: Right, so it's designed for all the people that have already been funneled into the, the various grifts. That are Correct. working within these sectors, so they're, they're yep. pushing them, uh, and, and you'll go through. But it's, they're pushing them to try to advance this stuff. Get,
0: <laughs> your, get your crap together. <laughs> That's great. Or else, <laughs> yeah. Um, they definitely talk about we got to go. We got to get corporations to push our social engineering stuff because it's too difficult to go through all the country's different legislation, legislative processes. And politicians change all the time. They get voted in and out. So we have to do, get corporations to do our do the bidding for us.
1: And the, the uh, way that they pull that off, Jim, you've mentioned it on the show before, but one of the ways they can do this with the ESGs and with um, you know the wokeness that people see in these companies was by going in with State Street and Vanguard and BlackRock and buying up a large Uh, percentages of the shares in these companies and then they get control of board seats and then they force all this stuff in.
0: Yeah, that's starting to backfire a little bit already, which is good. Um, But yeah, they talked about the BIS and one of the documents talked about they got to get the asset managers like BlackRock and Vanguard to force their portfolio. I think the term they used was coerce uh, their portfolio (laughs) companies into adopting ESG. I think they literally did say that.
1: Oh, that's nice that they use that because it's like with the... CBDC being a system of inclusion, I told, I told the audience, but it's a system of coercion, not inclusion. I mean, they're going to include yeah. all of us for sure. They want everyone yeah. down to the last pygmy guy on some island somewhere with a chip in his hand. I mean, that is the ultimate goal if they can get it. But um, I said, it's not a system of inclusion. It's coercion. They're going to force you and threaten you into the system if you don't accept it. Um now right. one uh, one other thing here with the corporations being pushed to effect change I saw some of that coming out of When I was looking into CBDC and listening to the panel discussions, uh, there was one in particular, World Economic Forum, and it had the guy who's the head of the bank for France, who's also, I think he's chairman of the BIS, and then they had the guy who's the chairman of Credit Suisse, who was representing the so-called private sector commercial banks. And you could see that there. There was actually like wheeling and dealing going on on the stage where the head of the bank of France and the chairman of BIS were talking to the head of Credit Suisse, And he's going, you know, we will let you control all the personal accounts if you are willing to get on board with us and give us your infrastructure. So it's like you can see... There's a horse trading going on right now where they're trying to utilize the existing uh, technological infrastructure, financial infrastructure, to be able to advance CBDC faster in some areas. And that kind of plays into that as well, that they'll use the private sector so that they don't have to go uh, get all their puppets in line in Congress or Parliament, depending on where you live, to actually pass laws and approve and, uh, yeah, so, policies. I mean, look,
0: this, this is just my personal opinion. I can't wrap my head around. Um, I think the biggest thing that the Rockefellers at all Catherine Austin Fitz calls these people Mr. Global because we don't know exactly who it is. But we know basically it's a group. So Mr. Global, I can't wrap my head or Mrs. Global.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I doubt it's females because you know, females would care more about humanity than dudes. It's, it's probably guys. <laughs> but anyways, just going on probability. Um I can't wrap my head around. You know, you can't get a family business without infighting. You know, think about when somebody passes away, a grandmother, grandfather. There's always fighting within the family over the estate. It happens so often. How in the world are they going to get 192 countries to buy into this new technocratic system with the CBDC chip in their hand all at the same time? I I can't wrap my head around that. I I think they're going to go pretty far down the field, but i can't see them getting all the countries at once so i do i do think it'll backfire at least for uh our generation maybe our kids but that's just my opinion folks i just can't figure that out it doesn't make any sense that they can get everybody to
1: agree no i i do agree with you on that because and that was the greatest uh that was the greatest way to explain it. When the family member dies and then all the family members are fighting. I mean, you've heard stories yeah. in the past, you know, where... These are all uh, they're,
0: human beings still.
1: there's no, yeah. they're, they're not AI robots. They're all human beings. So how how are they going to all agree? Exactly. It's like you heard hear stories in the past or when you're watching uh, some old National Geographic documentary on pyramids and they're like this pharaoh wanted a pyramid so he set it into motion now of course people died at 22 years old back then so i'm like so you're telling me there was like 812 pharaohs in succession that carried out the dream of the great 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 grandfather pharaoh to build that pyramid over 2,000 years (laughs) like how is this possible how is this possible to get anyone to agree on anything let alone that and i think you're right yeah. And this is why you had mentioned in the past shows here on episodes 80 and 88 about, you know, Russia, China, United States. I mean, they may have all agreed in their own ways they want some form of central bank digital currency, but at the same time, they are vying for power uh on who gets the largest seat at the table in controlling a system like this. No one in in China is going to give up their power to allow this guy from the Bank for France to control the monetary system in China.
0: Yeah, I don't watch the news, right? But uh, I'm I'm at my parents' house this week helping them move some stuff, and they watch the news, and the news was on last night, and they were interviewing somebody about TikTok and the dangers of TikTok. Uh, you know, it's Chinese. The Chinese could be spying on you through TikTok and all this stuff. And the, the reporter asked the question, literally, that this is the literal question. I mean, don't have your jaw drops. It said, the, the reporter said, don't you think we should get the CEO of TikTok to tell the Chinese co- uh, government to get out of their business?
1: <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> so we'd How sell the dumb
0: scene. can you be? It's yeah. a communist country. So yeah. I don't think TikTok has any power here.
1: No, not Anyways. at all. That well, that well, that's like someone floating the idea to say, you know, Elon Musk, he, he's our savior now. Shouldn't we tell him to tell the U.S. government to get out of his companies? His companies were started by the U.S. I mean, government. Elon Musk is a puppet of the U.S. government. Give me a break. Yeah. folks i I mean look
0: this is again this is me personally um i turned off the news several years ago i don't watch any news from anybody anywhere uh i don't read the news i don't watch the news i mean i read articles and then i go look up the reports like i said earlier i don't pay any attention to any journalist and i don't pay any attention to any politician in dc and I, i read books and i tell you i personally feel uh a lot clearer thinking in my mind uh i personally feel like i've gained a lot of knowledge over the last couple of years that i've done this and it certainly has freed up a lot of time and reduced a lot of stress uh maybe that won't work for everybody that's been my experience
1: yeah definitely the only time i ever look at the and i don't watch i don't even have cable but the only time i ever really look at the news is if i'm trying to figure out what it is that people like my father are talking about i go what is he talking about then i go look real quick oh that's it that's the story of the day i see how they got Uh, when that
0: when they finished the tiktok report of course i pointed out the dumb question but uh, i said you know uh this was pointed out like two years ago this isn't even news anyways
1: (laughs) yeah all right so uh, uh, number six uh,
0: yeah so number six um there's no, mi- so they talked about how the soil is now poisoned, even though they didn't admit to poisoning it. They talked about how the pollinators are dying off and they don't admit to killing them. But they never ever mentioned in any of these documents about the problem of single use plastics and all the plastic floating in the ocean. They left that problem out of all these documents.
1: Hmm. Which is crazy it's- because that used to be one. That they used yeah. in all the propaganda over the years to push the climate hustle, where they'd show the uh, floating plastic islands out in the middle of the ocean, or right. the dolphin who had a, a six pack of beer, like the plastic uh, rings wrapped right. around its its nose, its snout. <laughs> yeah, like like that used to be right. part of the well, commercial. And in episode eighty
0: eight, I think we had an article um, from about Coca Cola and how many billions of single use water bottles that they produce annually, and the CEO's like. Yeah, we're not giving those up because people still want them
1: yeah it was something in the billions it. it was in
0: the billions yeah yeah uh one thing's definitely clear in these documents they need a lot of money they need a lot more money and they <laughs> they need it now it's and and they're asking for trillions a year trillions
1: now let me ask you this Jim. right now just through the documents you've been looking at because um i was looking into where the bis gets money and the world bank and the imf and all that stuff is it similar when you're going through these documents or like is the climate industry the hustle funded at the top through member dues and each country has to give up a piece of their gdp and stuff like that to fund this
0: yep and they want banks to fund stuff uh of course they don't talk about the banks you know the debts being then backstopped by the imf or the bis uh they don't mention that but they certainly want banks to start loaning for green bonds and blue bonds and all this climate hustle crap yep
1: okay Uh, so it's the same so same model then
0: yeah the and nature needs to be included in economic values so they literally have all these these documents talking about how the oceans, the forests, they all they all need to be a valued at some numeric value. And annually, there's some economic value to that it needs to be added to the GDP of all these countries. OK, well, why? Why do the trees in the forest at the uh, at the park down the street need to be included in the GDP? Well, you got to go back to the, the end game, right? We, they want a carbon credit system. So they have to be able to value the carbon of every tree, every one of the documents even mentioned they want to track every fish in the ocean. That's how crazy these idiots are.
1: Yeah, it's nuts. I, uh, I covered it on one of the shows here. I pulled up a few different government charts I found and between uh, state owned state government owned property. And federal-owned government yeah. property—it's like the government owns over fifty percent of the like land six, in the yeah, United it's like States.
0: percent. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 I mean, they they control all that. And then, as far as tracking, you know, all the CO2 that goes back to the energy certificate from nineteen thirty-seven on yep. Technocracy Incorporated, which had to do with assigning back then it was assigning an energy value to everything right. that was produced, manufactured, what people were consuming. So it's the same blueprint. It's just. What I always tell people, the scary part about today is back 100 years ago, Yeah, back around 100 years ago, they were writing it on index cards. It was like a Dewey Decimal Card system. Virtually impossible. But then again, when the regular people like us didn't have access to the Internet, you could probably pull something off like that because everyone trusted the index card back then. So today, though, now they can, like you said, they're putting up polls all over this highway in Texas. They can go and actually do this and tell you that they're tracking it all. Yep. Um, this is
0: one I can't figure out. Climate change is a major risk to banking. I don't understand <laughs> the- how, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, the temperature being one degree warmer affects a bank branch. I don't get it <laughs> uh, don't
1: know, because <laughs> you just admitted it jim because it's a branch and a branch is part of nature and therefore nature right. is affected by climate change no that's the same thing that i saw out of all the you you've watched them but the panels we reviewed here at bis wef imf that was the same thing it's like climate change is one of the major reasons why they have to give cbdc to indigenous folks in africa and like there's no explanation you're like what are they talking? What are they talking about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's a so
0: number ten. Uh, in in many of these documents, it's no different than Fauci. Fauci, I am science. Fauci, the, they say the science is clear. The science is settled. In other words, don't you dare question us because we're right and
1: you're wrong. The science is clear. I am science. <laughs> All right. If you don't believe me, I'll stuff you in the trunk of my car and hit you upside the head with a piece of pastrami. It's like 600-pound
0: August and and Carstens, the head of the BIS is science. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's insanity. Yeah, we want inclusion. We welcome everybody's opinion from corporations to policymakers. But I didn't see any mention of the public.
1: (laughs) well the science is clear the science is settled <laughs> there was
0: one document i did find it did say they were going to put it out for public comment for 60 days but i couldn't find anywhere where the press release it was was issued when that 60-day window started <laughs> and That's then old.
1: after the 60-day window was up they're like well we're done <laughs> Dude, that's that's hilarious that's like something your town council would have to do based on their no. charter from like 1712 it's like right. oh we have to post in the local newspaper a 60-day right. opportunity for people to stand up and say they don't want the new fountain in the town square to be power washed you know like <laughs>
0: you know what i didn't check that's a good point i didn't check the obits like and the person that died was humanity i didn't check that yeah maybe that's where they announced exactly. it i don't know
1: <laughs> we're the, the 60 day window yeah we're going to change the entire uh, financial system worldwide over to CBDC. you guys have 21 days to say whether or not you like this thing <laughs> right right <laughs> it's crazy uh
0: and and lots of these documents say this no double counting those carbon credits you don't get to say that you that you you created 200 carbon credits when you only created 100 based on our math and you can't use your math because our math is right we are science
1: wait so no double counting carbon credits for um all of these tests that they're running on
0: on the the cbdc and everything they're all testing making sure that the carbon cutting coming from the tree in your backyard is not counted twice
1: wow this is crazy yeah it's crazy it's crazy
0: oh and they have to get 30 percent of the agricultural land and ocean fisheries into conservation by 2030 or the planet will burn up And I saw this. This is when I first saw that Belize blue bond that I talked about on one of the hot wires with Mike. I stumbled across that. I'd never heard of these blue bonds. I looked it up, and they tell you exactly what it is. And they talked about this 30% by 2030. Well, interestingly, the, if you go back, now you see that everywhere, kind of like those those smart poles and everything. Um, there's been several things coming out of the, the current administration I could care less about using the name of the politician sitting in the White House anymore because it's it's just a, a placeholder. Um, coming out of the current administration, there are stuff talking about 30% in the conservation of the U.S. lands by 2030. And I remember saying to Maria Albanese offline, I wonder if there's anything about 50% by 2050. And I had never found it, except it is in one of these documents. I did find it. They wow. definitely want 50% by 2050 because you know uh, these dummies are not are not so secretive they kind of give it away so if they want 30 percent by 2030 and i know 2050 is the target date i just kind of assumed they would want 50 percent by 2050 and sure enough
1: yeah, <laughs> <about it>. that's <laughs> one of those weird things you have a hunch and then you look and it's there now that yeah. means okay so if you take what you have written there uh 30 of agricultural land and ocean fisheries into conservation that means what they want to hijack and fully control whether it's 30 percent well, it's by not just that
0: it's not just that there's a massive grift around this okay because in these documents uh you know the only place i see that in the western world is what the the biden administration the current administration talked about recently but the real push is in the southern hemisphere for the poorer countries because it's easy to pick on and muscle around and we'll go through this and show how the debt trap works to get this. Like yes. Belize was had had a lot of debt. We talked about it, I think on either 80 I think it was 88 where they had so much debt and then they the IMF rescues them by saying we'll give you a massive haircut to the debt, but you got to give up 30% of your ocean to conservation. So then now it's in conservation that's controlled by the technocrats. Well, okay, now they, they can have a natural asset company on the New York Stock Exchange come in and control that and IPO it and make a ton of money, a ton of money. And they can sell carbon credits every year because those the fishing populations are going up because they won't allow fishing. So they can just create more carbon credits and they make a lot of, the big banks make a lot of money off of it. They don't just control it. It's a wow. it's a grift to make a lot of money. and And just like the Federal Reserve I mean, not federal, the federal uh, prison system going private and IPO'd in you know, those companies, private companies in the late 80s, early 90s, then IPO'd on Wall Street. How many of the politicians and policymakers are
1: going to get shares in these natural asset companies? So let me, let me ask you, that's really interesting. So are you saying that, let's say they take hold of this piece of uh, the ocean, this territory, right they yep. draw their uh string around it and they go this is our territory you can't touch this so then there's no fishing going on inside that territory so They're very limited fishing very limited fishing right so this is where all the 3d printed fish and lab-grown fish and meats will come from because we won't have any real stuff and then on top of it these guys are going to make money off the fish by not actually fishing them <laughs> Yep. Wait till you see the numbers. Go back to number uh,
0: eight. The nature needs to be included in economic values. I think they calculated that the nature economy is like $123 quadrillion in value and that this stuff's going to be worth like several
1: trillion dollars of annual revenue. This is going to be great. You can own a forest and make money by not cutting the trees and turning them into timber, but but just but you can't count it twice why was i not born into a banking family this is terrible (laughs) these bankers are on another level i mean it's just insane this is why i started calling them economic terrorists uh about 10 15 episodes ago because i showed that clip from the movie i mentioned to you no escape with owen wilson and pierce brosnan that that you just basically gave the script right there where these guys go into these South American countries into these poor Asian countries and Africa and others and they get them hooked on hey we're going to come and refine your water we're going to come and build you an electrical grid mm-hmm. they don't care what they sell them as long as they get whoever the puppet is they install as the president or dictator or prime minister right. there They're and, good at them. and yeah, and then they go say they're going to build highways. They know that country could never afford it. They get them caught in a debt trap and then like you said, they go, "Up, oh, you got to give us your forest. Up, oh, you got to give us your oil. Up, oh, you got to give us your natural resources. Up, oh, you got to give us your it ocean." It didn't
0: work out. That that fancy business plan that we put together for you for that water project didn't work. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Now 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 we get your rainforest or now we get whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, it frankly it's brilliant. Yeah. If All I right, could do so my life over again, 14. I would be working for them. <laughs> no
0: <laughs> mention of the metals and, 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 and minerals, uh, where they will come from for this, quote-unquote, energy transition. And interestingly, on number 15, it, they exclude data not supportive of the narrative. And if you pull up that chart that I wanted you to start with, this is a great transition.
1: Uh, this um, is the annual CO2 emissions by world region.
0: Right, so that's CO2. Now, anytime you see GHG, greenhouse gas emissions, anytime you see these charts and tables and graphs anywhere in the media, they are only counting the, the greenhouse gases that exclude water vapor. You can Google this. You can go look it up. Scientists have proven with beyond a shadow of a doubt That water vapor is 95 to 97% of all greenhouse gases. So CO2 is a large portion of the remaining 3 to 5%, which means it's not big at all, right? Mm -hmm. But all of these charts, all these graphs, they exclude water vapor because it doesn't fit their narrative. Now, this chart is (laughs) it tells you everything you know about need to know about. The EV cars, and we got to save the planet because CO two from uh, from fossil fuels is going to burn the planet up, and it's creating all this 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 problems. This chart is the annual CO two emissions by world or re- you know in the regions uh, going back to 1979. And, and if you go to the website and you hover your mouse over this chart, it gives you that the, these boxes that I've I've screenshotted. It gives you the box over the year. Uh, But it won't stay there when you try to print. So what I did is I took the cursor back to 1979, took a screenshot of the box on the left, and then went to 2021, took a screenshot of the box on the right, and I printed the chart as a PDF and then pasted these two boxes on top of the PDF chart so you could see the data. Notice the total at the bottom. 1979, we went from 19 billion, whatever, billion uh, tons of, of CO2 to
1: what 37 right? Yeah, we're. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I was trying to get the sized up here, so the whole thing was on here. Where, um, where did you want me to look? Go to the plus
0: sign. Go to the plus sign on your PDF above. Okay. The, at the top of the document, right here. Hit the plus sign. No, no, no. Go see where the printer sign. Yeah, right there. Oh, you twice. want me to zoom in on there for you? Yeah, yeah, zooming in. Okay, so we go from nineteen point six two billion to thirty seven point one two. Okay? Whip out your calculator and do the math. That's 17.5. Okay? 17.5 billion. That's what it is. Right? Now, look at the ones I highlighted in green. If you add up the ones from 2021 and you subtract the ones from 1979, the the levels, it's 17.3. So in other words... Southeast Asia, China, and India uh, account for one hundred percent of the increase in global CO two emissions in the last forty two years.
1: Yeah. Oh, this and yeah, this is the chart we looked at uh, yesterday. So when you're looking at nine, yeah. So 1979, we're just saying you have a total of uh, 19.6 billion. In twenty twenty one you have thirty seven point one two billion, but that additional seventeen billion comes from Asia, China, and India.
0: That's right. But yet you listen to the nightly news and they tell you it's the it's the, the diesel truck that you're driving, pickup truck that you're
1: driving down the highway. I I can't even believe this is crazy that they would even allow this because when you showed this to me yesterday, it's crazy that they would even allow this data to come out. Well, then again, it's probably you and three other people that are actually looking at it because you have the <laughs> United States in 1979, and then you fast forward 42 years to 2021. Yeah. And, it, and it's actually, folks, it's not close. It's the same. It's the exact it's five, <laughs> same. <laughs> yeah, it's Our, 5. The 1. United
0: States CO2 emissions have not moved in 42 years. But we have to go buy an EV car.
1: Right. And then Europe, you know, European Union, they actually have it coming down. Uh, down by Europe. a third
0: or a quarter. Yeah. Down by a quarter, 4.1 4. to 2.8. Yeah. Down 25, 30%. And then all of
1: Europe is actually down also by about a third. Yeah, that's insanity. So this document, let me just see real quick. So the audience says this came out of um Climatewatch.org. Oh, ClimateWatch.org. I think it's a UN, okay. I think it's a UN sister
0: sister document. I think it's climatewatch.org or read the bottom there. The source
1: is World
0: in Data. Oh our World and Data based
1: on the Global Carbon Project twenty twenty two. RWorldandata.org yeah. slash uh yeah, if people are looking for data. it, just look this up our world in data. data. Yeah.
0: Yeah, this is their data. This is not from some scientist that disagrees with them. This is their own data.
1: Now, let me ask you, cause it's interesting, um, during your research, when you're going through this stuff, you, just like the geological survey for Finland, that does not fit the narrative that you see on the nightly news. When you find these kind of documents like this one here. Is there any context that they're providing why they would publish a document that disproves what the climate grift narrative actually is? Well, so look at this chart closely,
0: okay? Look at the chart part, not the boxes I, I copied and pasted on there. Look at the chart part. What year does it go back to? 1750. 1750. How much carbon was being emitted in 1750?
1: Well, according to them, zero. Well, we were horse and buggy. Yeah. Right.
0: So very little. Now look at that massive climb from 1950 to 2021 in the in the graphic. Right. What would that? What would the slope of that climb be, if that far left x axis was not 1750, but in fact 1979? It'd oh, yeah. It'd be flattened yeah. out.
1: Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's interesting. So they put this together in a a way to see starting period
0: to fit their narrative. It doesn't look so alarming if your
1: starting period is 1980. Exactly. I mean, if they put it at uh, zero, you know, or uh, minus uh, or one uh, BC, (laughs) then uh, it would literally you'd have a straight up in a line just going straight up in the air. Yeah.
0: Right, so that it looks more alarming than it is. Hoping people don't actually pick up on that.
1: But you know what that that it's amazing how simple this is when you're using you know graphic designers and the people that know about creating infographics and memes that your entire I mean billions of dollars in research that went into actually giving these numbers create if they're real. Just to then have a graphic designer go, hey, guys, look, let's just pull it back to 1750, and I'll show you how we scare the crap out of everyone. (laughs) It's genius, man. It's genius.
0: If you just
1: looked at the graph and you didn't study it, you would
0: think, holy crap, humans are going to cause the planet to burn up.
1: Yeah, that's not. So that's why so that's why you say why they would release something like this because they can just yeah. take the real data, manipulate it through the infographic and use it as a way to scare people. Cherry pick the start dates. That is phenomenal. I love this. All right, let's show a grift. You ready? Are we looking at the Electric Highway? Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> I love this
0: document. This is the electric highway study. It's the summary sheet, which is only three pages. The the actual full study is like, I don't know, 80 or 100 pages. Um, <laughs> anyways, what they want to do is they want to electrify an interstate going from Boston to Buffalo across Massachusetts and New York. Okay. So if you scroll down, we can look at some of the things I highlighted in the three pages. Yes, it's not hard. I mean, that's what they want to do. They want to integrate the right number of high powered chargers. Uh, and uh,
1: yeah, what I'm going to do say, is I'll um, pull this up on full screen. Yeah, yeah perfect. You.
0: Chargers, the site operators that can allow drivers to charge quickly along that interstate. Electric trucks will need significantly more power, um, but it'll be met by the highway fast charging systems. And some sites would require as much electricity as a small town. So this is like a truck stop that's going to need the electricity of a small town to charge all these 18 wheelers the ev version of the 18 wheelers okay all right scroll down a little more
1: and let me uh, yeah okay and then there's something i wanted to ask you here
0: yeah they're going to develop the grid upgrades that that could take
1: years but by acting now we might be able to get there (laughs) We must act now. Now this is funny because yeah. we were talking about this the other day, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago on the phone. And I, I had asked you cuz I was just doing some basic math after I think it was after episode 88 cuz you had piqued my interest on this and I was like I don't wait, do you have to pay to charge your electric car How? cuz I know it was a Tesla was giving away free energy for a while or I don't know if they still do. But anyway, I started looking into it and I said Dude, it's costing you as much per gallon as it does to use gas to charge the electric car. But now we know that if your electric car battery dies, you have to spend twenty to $40,000 to replace that battery. I mean, it's insanity. You know, when we were looking, we were actually running the numbers that night. And it was like, yeah, it costs you more right now to charge your electric car than it does to put gas in the car.
0: Well, look at the, I don't know if you had the ability to quickly pull up on the fly that chart I sent you uh, via text about what happens to the charging power of those electric batteries if the temperature is below 70 degrees. Oh, yeah. No, I can't grab that quick. Um, So we'll put it up, but we'll show it. But basically, it's got it broken out by EV type. Uh, you know, whether it's a Tesla or whether it's a, a Chevy Volt or whatever. And twenty they lose 20 to 30% of the charging power if the, if the temperature is less than, 90, than 70 degrees. And there was an article o- over the recent cold snap that went across the country. Some guy was, he posted a video, he's trying to charge his Tesla. He was at like, I don't know, 19 or 15% battery left. And it would not charge at a supercharger because it just kept saying, warming the battery and the temperature was so cold
1: outside it never got warm enough to actually charge the battery wow and and i told you uh an engineer that i know uh, the company they work for they build vibration testing equipment for satellites and weapons all kinds of government contracts and they're trying to get into uh developing testing equipment for battery manufacturing because obviously they think the industry is gonna i mean at least for them yeah. it's gonna blow up so he was out at a car trade show and he was telling me i mean folks this is just like real world intelligence from someone in the industry he's talking to a guy who's in the battery manufacturing business they were talking about lithium and graphene oxide and stuff and the guy starts laughing to he goes listen let me tell you something i know you want to get in this industry with the testing he goes but don't ever buy one of these cars and he goes why and then the guy said Dude, there's thousands of people burning up in these fires. Like, literally, you can't put the fire out. So there was another guy at the show who had a new fabric he was trying to manufacture and sell for fire departments to be able to throw on top of the batteries to put this out. So they start having a conversation, and he, this guy has no clue I do the show. So I didn't even tell him. I just pretended I was interested in what he was saying. He goes, yeah, the guy said there was a kid up in Connecticut that just died. He was 16 years old because one of these blew up. He said there's thousands all over the country, but it's rarely reported on because the news media and stuff doesn't know the difference between a battery fire and and a gas fire. And he said, we're just keeping it quiet because these things are blowing up and you can't put the fires out then i was just talking to a friend of mine yesterday who had bought one of those electric bicycles for mountain biking he told me <laughs> yeah. he started doing a bunch of research after he got it he leaves the thing outside in his shed like 200 feet from his house because he's so afraid that it's gonna blow up and he it's said that he started. Yeah, he started reading all these articles about mountain bikers that are getting lit on fire when they're going down a trail and they bang the battery by accident and it blows up. You literally have a fire under your ass. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) It's crazy, man, crazy dangerous. And he was telling me, the, the engineer was telling me with all the testing, a lot of this stuff is just getting pushed through because they're creating kind of like, The state of the emergency with the the COVID jabs, they're allowing a lot of this stuff to go through. He found out, because again, he's trying to get into the testing side, and he's saying to these companies, well, who's doing the vibration testing for you? Who's building the equipment? We haven't seen any competitors. The guy said, a lot of this stuff, we don't have to test it. There's all kinds of regulations that have been taken down, and we can just push these right out to market without doing any testing on them.
0: So in other words, there's no safety testing. We can just put out a car that's going to fall apart
1: like Flintstone style on you just to sell the EV stuff. (laughs) And blow up, and blow up with you and your (laughs) family inside of it. So, I mean, it's just, you know, these are the things that most people don't think about. And I've heard the stories from some of these same engineers I know. Uh, One of them actually is my stepfather, and he was telling me, you know, he, he went and looked into, you know, solar panels, and he was running the numbers on that, deciding if it was worth it. And he discovered it wasn't because he was more interested being down in, in uh, Texas to be able to run his system sort of off the grid. So we were playing around with the numbers again, one night. you and I were. Guys, if you wanted to build an off-the-grid solar panel house... Like completely off the grid, you have to have it's something up to like fifteen backup batteries that have to be yep. replaced every three to six years on a cycle. The solar panels, when they're running twenty four seven like that, they have to be replaced every like six to ten years. <laughs> I figured out over the life of thirty years. So say you got a mortgage on a house that's going to cost you this be a thirty year mortgage. Over the same thirty years, you were going to spend anywhere between three hundred and seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars to have this solar panel system that takes you off the grid from not to having save the, planet. Yeah, to save just, the planet. yeah mine would be more to not deal with the utility company but when you look at it you right. go it's not even worth it and i've heard stories uh, i knew a guy who worked for a contractor that was a installer for uh, the tesla solar panel the shingle system and this guy told me he went to uh, you know, training seminars a couple of years ago, and he's sitting in the training se- seminar, and the instructor who was actually employed by Tesla. Was telling them, you know, when you're installing this, be very careful. There's radiation. And he he raises his hand. He goes, Well, you know, what happens to the people that like live in the house? Does this cause any long term problems? Guy said, That's not your problem, man. You're an installer. You get sent out to a job and you install it. I'm telling you how to protect yourself. And he goes, Yeah, but what about the families? And so, does it cause problems? And he goes, Not our problem, buddy. Not our problem. I mean, this is the kind of stuff you're hearing when you actually are asking questions to people. the street that are inside this industry
0: well and you think about the cost right so if they can somehow get more wind and solar electricity into the power into electrical you know uh, mixture the cost they know the costs are going to go up but that leads okay that helps them doesn't hurt them how does it hurt them it helps them because they want ubi they want people not to be able to afford to live so they can roll out ubi via cbdc
1: chip in your hand Oh yeah, definitely. I, I I mean, and I just had that happen with uh, my stepfather. Was saying, uh, close friends, uh, him and my mom, were looking at it, and he warned him. He said, "Listen, don't get the solar panel stuff. I did all the research. It's not worth it. Just if you're looking at getting into it." Based on saving money. It's not worth it. And on top of it, unless you're doing all kinds of dangerous battery backup system and everything, you're literally just sucking in energy, sending it to the power company, and then they're giving it back to you. And if you supposedly produce more, you'll get a credit at the end of the month. It's not worth it. And so these people go, no, 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 you could like run your house with it. They went and they spent $45,000 from some sales guy that knocked on their door, put the system in, and then two days later, they were calling. stepfather and they're like hey this doesn't work how we thought you're not actually storing energy and he's like yeah i told you that i warned you not to get the thing so that they get it they realize if they get another just like they had the cold front come through the, the couple of we- or last week just like last year all of a sudden their power goes out and they realize they don't have power because the solar panel isn't actually generating power for your house it's just collecting energy and sending it back to the grid You know, it's crazy. It's 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 generating power for the power company, for the power company exactly. And then at the end of the end of the month, you get a credit of eleven dollars (laughs) and seven cents. I know. And you paid forty five thousand dollars for a system that, and and like, it was funny because my stepfather said. And this goes to show you guys like how the green griff works. The guy who came to his door to try to sell him one last year, which is what got him interested in doing the research. He was telling me that it was a nice young kid. He was probably 20 years old, maybe in college. He had no idea. He wasn't an engineer. He obviously knew nothing about electricity. He was just trained in probably a five-hour course on how to sell something. And he said this guy was totally convinced that the system worked. And he goes, "And if I was an idiot then go research it, I would have wrote a check.
0: Oftentimes, it's that the young person is not even trained to sell you because my daughter's ex-boyfriend took a job uh, fairly recently doing this. His job was to knock on doors. It, the company was selling solar panels for homes, but his job was to knock on doors and get people interested in having an appointment with somebody else, the real salesperson to come out. Oh, and wow. They were, paying, so makes- they were paying a lot of money for for him to schedule appointments. And he got paid extra if the the people actually kept the appointment.
1: Oh, so he was just out there generating leads. That's it. Yep. Yep. Wow not anyway, bad back, not to, bad. The, back <laughs> to the electric
0: highway <sighs> it's crazy okay. so the demand will come from not only passenger vehicles but electric trucks and heavy duty heavy duty vehicles from public and private fleets okay all right uh by 2030 some sites will exceed delivery limits for the low voltage dis- distribution grid fortunately and this is in bold Fortunately, many highways overlap the high voltage transmission system, which can be tapped to deliver the power that drivers will need. I don't need to read the rest of this. Go to the next page. There's a picture, or go scroll up. I think the, the picture was above it. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Uh, so one? the next page has got a picture of like a large truck stop with a with a nice little you know convenience store and these places for tr- 18 wheel tr- wheeler trucks to charge up and these cars to ch- all these car every parking space is a charging station and then next to the convenience store which, which by the way has a bunch of picnic tables because it's nice outside all the time it's never cold in new york or massachusetts um they got it sh- a, a substation Built right there on site, connecting to these high transmission, high voltage transmission lines. Okay. So, this is what prompted me to go ask the question Where does Massachusetts electric, what's the mixture of Massachusetts electricity and what's the mixture of New York's electricity? Because they're showing you right here. So, guess what? On the EIA, it's a government uh, admin- agency. The Energy Information uh, Administration, they have a a site, and I didn't know this existed until I looked it up. It's got every state in the country, and I'm going to have Dustin click on Massachusetts.
1: All right, so we're over here. This Mm -hmm. is EIA.gov slash state. Yep. Massachusetts gives you
0: all this data. You scroll down to the middle of the page. Hey, Jim, there's a, a warning up here
1: though. It does say we want to hear from you. So check out our new state energy portal in beta and send us your feedback. So if yeah. you'd like to send in some <laughs> feedback, you the can public do service that. announcement. Yeah, yeah. All
0: right. So keep scrolling down. It's got a map there, the whole country again, which we don't want. All right. So here's this graphic. The first, it, it it populates automatically by the consumption by source. Well, we don't want consumption. We want it it's got a tab for electricity. So click electricity. Oh, look at that. So Massachusetts has roughly uh, 1,100,000 megawatts of power comes from natural gas. About 50 megawatts comes from hydroelectric. And about 300 comes from non-hydroelectric renewables. So 300 from replaceables and 1,100 from natural gas. So all those trucks hooking up to the high voltage transmission lines in Massachusetts are actually charging their trucks with natural gas.
1: <laughs> Which, just to make this clear for the audience, proves your point uh, that even with all this green energy stuff, natural gas and uh, oil are it not isn't going, going
0: anywhere. anywhere.
1: So now let's go back and pull up New York. Oh, and and let me just, uh, this is a good opportunity here, teaching moment for you to explain. So they said non-hydroelectric renewables. You said replaceables, and you told me yesterday on the phone we need to start using that. You were going to talk to Mike Moore at the Thomas Paine podcast. Why is that, Jim, to call them replaceables and not renewables? And that's not my term. Guess who came up with that term? The lead
0: scientist in that geology survey of Finland. (laughs) he said renewables are not renewable they're replaceable we have <laughs> to replace the metals and, 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 and minerals that we mine uh <laughs> to build a solar panel build a, ba- a ev battery. we have to replace them every five to ten years he exactly. called them replaceables and i think that's the perfect term so let's look at new
1: york okay oh, new york, all right you know you would York. Yeah. let's York's see here.
0: Okay, same process. We'll go down, we'll check the electricity tab. <laughs> well, what do you know? So, the replaceables is about 500 megawatts of power. The hydroelectrics, a little over 2,000. Nuclear is about 1,700, And, oh, 4,900 megawatts of power is natural gas. Now, so 4900 for natural gas and about 500 for replaceables.
1: Now, didn't the uh Green grift used to hate nuclear? Weren't oh, they yeah. always fighting nu- nuclear plants being built? Yeah, but now they're all about nuclear cuz it's it's not fossil fuels. no now here's the other thing. So, when they have the category here petroleum fired I, I mean, I don't know this. I'm asking you. Do they make, ele- is there electricity that's made using? Uh, it's
0: very small in the U.S. It's very small.
1: Okay, so Oil, mainly.
0: What that is, it's very small.
1: Yeah, right, right. So I'm saying mainly what you'd see around the world is what generally natural gas, nuclear, coal. and coal. And coal. Natural gas, yeah. coal. Then, what well, coal's probably the largest in
0: the world. Then natural gas, then nuclear. Uh, and then you've got hydroelectric, you've got biomass, which could be, you know, cutting down forests and wood chipping all the trees to, to burn the wood chips to create electricity. <laughs> That's saving the planet, you know, cause it's not natural yeah. gas. <laughs> and by <laughs> the way, guys, you, you know, I live in South Carolina. My parents live in North Carolina. It's about a two hour drive. I like taking the back roads uh, on short trips cause I don't, I don't want to be on the highway and it's, it's just more it's not it's less stressful let's put it that way and i drive right past a gold mine okay literally right past one and if you have ever seen one of these mines it is a massive plot of land that is being dug up with huge mountains of dirt it's not eco-friendly
1: at all <laughs> so did you want to uh before i click it back on do you want to um, go over this or are we done with this no, that's, you... that's good. I mean, some of the stuff I highlighted, we don't have to
0: read every word I highlighted. Um, that's okay. the gist of this document. <laughs> that we're going to hook it up to the, the big power lines, but, you know, don't worry about where the electricity actually comes from.
1: Okay, so let me ask you this quick. This was, this document here, which is the Electric Highway Study Summary Sheet uh, National Grid. This is for, uh, does, does this have to do with that Northeast, region stuff we were talking about in episode 80 and 88 or is this the whole thing? no this is
0: totally separate yeah this is totally separate um they're 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 testing this basically and again what they're telling you is to don't buy a gas car because you don't want to use fossil fuels so buy an electric car and then hook it up to the power grid
1: that is supplied by fossil fuels that now let me ask uh, because this is a real question if you're talking to some uh you know just a well-natured tree hugger type the type of person that would have went out and bought their prius you know starting 10 years ago that thinks they mm-hmm. are saving the planet by doing this right they do you think those people just don't actually know this right they don't know it they now what know happens it. if you say to them did you know that 74% of the electricity that you will be putting into your car is coming from fossil fuels. I, I mean, Well, what, it depends what they, on where you are in the country. It, I'm it just based on one of those charts, yeah. Yeah, I mean, some
0: places in the country it's coal. Some places in the country it's more nuclear. Other places it's hydroelectric. Where I'm at, I'm on hydroelectric because I'm right near a, uh, a dam on a big lake that's a hydroelectric uh, plant right there. And I mean, so it depends on where you are. And when you're talking, if you want to wake people up, you can't be combative or con- confrontational. You have to ask probing questions that gets them to think. then that's the only way you're going to get, it's not an argument. It's you have to ask probing questions that make them think. For example, oh, that's cool that you bought an electric vehicle. By the way, what's the what's the you know where does the electricity actually come from in your area? Mm-hmm. Make them go look it up.
2: That's it might get idea. them
0: to actually physically look it up. That way, you're not confronting them at all. You're not saying anything. You're not saying, "Hey, you're an idiot. You're a dope." You know, you just pro. It's a probing question. Make them go look it up. Like I was in a. uh when I was out in Dallas, I was in a clean juice, which is an organic juice, uh, shop and, and like smoothie shop. And on the wall, it was, and they had something written, some scientific data point written on the wall that said, if you consume non-organic food, you're consuming like 16 pounds of glyphosate a year. And so I asked the young lady who was probably in her mid twenties, <laughs> I said, don't you find it interesting that there's a big push by big corporations in, uh, to to get back to regenerative and far- organic farming of foods, and it's the same corporations or corporate groups that poison the soil with Monsanto's glyphosate in the first place. That's a question. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe you think I already have an opinion, but she didn't. She was making my smoothie. Uh, <laughs> her comment, her answer was, well, I think it's just more young people teaching the older generations. So instantly I knew not to go any further. She doesn't know what she's talking about. She has no clue what I'm talking about. So why why even push the envelope, right? I mean, because mm. it, then it's going to be confrontational and neither one of us are going to get anywhere.
1: Exactly, exactly. But right, you so, can ask yeah.
0: probing questions. Like when I go into a bank branch, I ask a probing question. You know, you can get all kinds of intel if you know your banker, you know, like the teller that told me about the massive increase in fraud uh, at the banks. So far, the increase is so much so that I've told the story on Hotwire on Mike's show that I was sitting at home years ago. I think it was around, I don't know, 2012, 14, something like that. So eight to 10 years ago, sitting at home on a Friday night, I get a call from my bank fraud department. This is a small a state credit union. Um asking me about these transactions, I he, did you make them? Again, I'm like, it doesn't sound like it. Let me get online. I looked. Nope. $3500 had evaporated in like 2 2 hours. Um and they were all like 200 bucks, 220 bucks. They were California, New York. They were and they had an SQ next to them, so I assumed it was Square. Anyways, by Saturday morning, I had that money back in my bank account. Well this teller is telling me that because the fraud has increased so much they don't do that anymore. Meaning you don't that $3500 I would have had to wait 30 60 90 days to get it back. This is why I told you and I told my daughter and I would tell your your audience stop using your debit card. There was another article that came out recently uh talking about cyber crime is going to increase in the next 5 years uh 500% by 2028. Five hundred percent. Well, okay. Yeah. Again, go back to what we talked about in the beginning. What's the end game? The end game is a CBDC chip in your hand, right? we there are we already know about the war on cash. It's dirty. You know, you don't want to use cash. You can be robbed. Well, now there's a war on plastic. Cybercrime is stealing your debit card number, stealing your credit card number, and running up all these tra- this fraud fraudulent transactions that you then can't get the money back quick enough. So, okay, well, what's the solution? The chip in your hand. Yep. But in the interim, don't use your debit card. If you use your debit card, that money comes out of your bank account instantly, and you can't get it back for 90 days. It's easier to get it back on a credit card. But 90 days, I mean, think about my daughter's 22. You know, think about her if, if her bank account got drained, what's she
1: supposed to do? She's a college kid. What's she supposed to do? Yep. That's what I told the audience. I mean, it it was uh, four or five months ago. My wife had over $10,000 stolen out of her bank account through a uh, wire transfer. And this all stemmed to, I think, a scam that was being run inside T-Mobile. And so what they were doing is they were creating a digital SIM card. Uh, and then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden your phone stops working and you're like, what the hell is going on? My phone isn't working. Next thing you know, you can't get into your email account. Well, my email's not working. And the next thing you know, when you finally get in a day later, you realize that your savings, (laughs) your savings account is missing a lot of money. It all came through a wire transfer. You're like, I've never sent a wire in my life. You know, my wife isn't a business. She works for somebody else. She's never sent a wire. And, um, it took, uh, three and a half months to get the money back and that was one because I had a connection into the sheriff here was and so the uh, sheriff's department did a fantastic job of tracking really quickly and then because of Mike Moore having worked in city he gave me some tips and then my mother who had worked in the fraud department at city on the credit card side but she knew how to escalate cases to yep. different levels And I've told the story on here. If I did not have that inside information, we may have never recovered that money back. Because they put you into a loop with some Filipino on the phone who literally sounds like they're (laughs) underwater. Like the the phone lines are always broken up. They barely speak English. Uh, And if you don't know the words, say, I want this escalated to this department and this thing and that thing, they have you... You'll be waiting for the rest of your life. And I ended up running into someone after this was resolved who had worked pretty high up, believe it or not, in city. Total coincidence. And this woman, she was a Indian woman. She told me, oh, you're lucky you got it back. I said, oh, she goes, they're... of people give up at stage two and they never get their money back. And I said, wow, Wow. she goes, and it's only going to get worse as cybercrime goes up. Now who knows if she said high enough level to know what we're talking about, but I've said to the audience, they have the RFID chip inside of your credit and debit card. Now that I could build a $200 device and I could walk into a checkout area at the grocery store, self checkout and start stealing people's information immediately. Now, with these companies spending billions of dollars on technology that's supposed to protect people from cyber theft, identity theft, hacking, all this, you don't think they could it developed an or RFID, is it to drive them into the C B D C. That's always my belief is you create an environment that allows the street hackers to actually hack and commit crime, and then that's what ends up driving people into the C B D C just like we talked about with the city of New York. You villainize the cops, you put them in a horror horrible position where they no longer want to go out to a domestic violence case because last thing they want to do is have to manhandle somebody and get caught on video and their life is ruined and their house gets burned to the ground and you create that environment you incentivize crime because the police aren't out there arresting people you say that you can't get arrested unless you steal over a thousand dollars so now you have people walking into stores and literally just throwing jackets over their arms and walking out and then boom people get driven into the idea of the ai facial recognition dystopian policing people will welcome the cameras and
0: the facial technology surveillance state when there's that much crime it's crazy with this banking stuff it's it's real simple it's really simple you know what can't be hacked you know what can't be stolen digitally cash
1: yep that's why i told the audience that you wanted me to mention it to them uh Yesterday, I said, you know, like Jim said, if you go to your bank, that's the safest way take out whatever you need for the month. And, and you said, you can use a check, you can use a money order, a cashier's check to pay certain bills. But if you need $1,000 this month, you're going to need to buy groceries and gas and other things. Transact cash. in the cash for all the small transactions. The, every time you're tapping, you're inserting the chip, or you're swiping your debit card around town. You go to the gas station, you run over to Seven Eleven, you go in the grocery store, you go to the liquor store, whatever it is. Every time you do that, you're opening yourself up up to being hacked at this point yep. so you take out the money at the beginning and of the week if you can't get your money, money back from your debit card it's, why would you ever use it yeah exactly it offers no, no protection whatsoever hey I just wanted to ask you this uh, before we move on to the next one because you are talking about this and th- this is all part of solutions you're always pushing people to use uh, the smaller banks can you just explain what kind of bank because I've had people reach out that they should be looking for
0: yeah, you want a non-fed member bank, so they're chartered under the state regulatory body. Um there is a link, a searchable database link on the FDIC's website that I stumbled across. Um Dustin, I'll just resend it to you, you can post it or you can share okay. it somehow. Uh, but yeah, if you go to the FDIC's website, there is a there's a way to search it and find a bank. Um like that's that might be simpler, but it doesn't have the entire list. I found the entire searchable database list on the FDIC's website um, broken out by uh, non-Fed member banks only. Now, there's a couple of them that are really, really big uh, that are you know, part of the World Economic Forum crap, but you don't want to be a part of them. But outside of them, um, there's a handful that are really big. But other than that, you know, and then obviously there's a lot that are too small, right? If the bank only has a million dollars in assets, maybe you don't want to be with that bank. you know they're too small they could you know poof and and they could go out of business right but find it goes somewhere in the middle basically
1: yeah and then then uh just so the audience understands why do you recommend uh going with a state chartered bank and not a fed member bank so the bis like every industry they the way
0: that that these technocrats are going to control everything is they they want consolidation at the top look at what what part of the scheme of COVID was to shut down small mom and pop businesses and drive all the traffic into the large companies, right? Like you were not allowed to open a small locally owned pharmacy, but CVS and Walgreens were were open. Target was open. Walmart was open, right? So they were driving business to the large corporations. Same with banking right now, 60% of the deposits are controlled by the top, I think 10 banks and, or maybe it's 40%. I can't remember. It's either. I, I haven't spent a while since I looked it up, but so they want more, all the majority of the assets controlled by the, those 10 banks that the bank of international settlements and the fed can control. Right. So you have to be in a bank that's not controlled by that system. And there's lots of them. I think there's 2,800 of them. So there's tons of banks to pick from. You don't have to live in that state where the bank is. It's not as convenient. You won't have a branch. But again, if you're not using a debit card, right, uh, and you only want to get cash, maybe that bank, out-of-state bank, is not for you unless you visit that place you know, fairly often to get cash. Uh, or you can, uh, I don't know, if you can cash a check somewhere, write yourself a check, and you can cash it somewhere. It might cost you a little fee. But maybe use that bank for paying your bills And have another local non-Fed member bank where you take your cash out of if you want more than one.
1: This is going to be interesting to see because obviously there's an association somewhere of state chartered banks or non-Fed member banks uh, of how they're going to end up bribing these guys into or giving the guys who matter golden parachutes to get them out of the way uh if they're going to try to push for cbdc because like i told you you see the battle between the central banks and the so-called private sector banks even like credit suisse right now where they're promising these guys that they can have certain things if they go along with it you know and i'm wondering because these are the type of people like for instance there won't be a bribe
0: there won't be a bribe if they get the cbdc across the Uh finish line and as legal tender which, if you look at John Titus's most recent video on his Best Evidence, one word, Best Evidence YouTube channel, mm. it's about the fact he pulls up the, the federal law. Cash is legal tender. Okay? Right. Cash is legal tender. Coins are legal tender. Everything else is not. Your debit card, your credit card, they're acceptable means because the other party accepts them. Right. But they are not legal tender. In order for CBDC to get into this country, it has to be legal tender. They got to change the laws. Now, once they get that, okay, then they can basically put all the small banks out of
1: business. It'll just happen. Yeah, it'll just happen. Right. They won't need to bribe them. So, the, but so, what, but but when you're talking about this, the only way they can get this done, they have to get the puppets the politicians who work for them are on the payroll through the lobbyists and the packs and everything else but those are the guys at the end of the day who worry the most about having their house burned down so so they have to get them on board to agree to pass a law like that that's what you're saying which which i i said i I found the original text from the first stimulus bill that actually had the cbdc and digital wallet language in it it was removed actually at the last minute uh and taken out but um that's what they have to be able to do and those puppets have to be willing to do it and know that they're not going to be pulled out of their houses and lit on fire in their yards right so, that big omnibus bill that just passed, and I, th- I think he
0: signed it. I-, I can't remember. passed last week, mm. right? Or it was the, the national defense, maybe it was the NDAA one the week before. I don't know. One they of those always two.
1: love to jam stuff in those. Yeah.
0: Well, nobody is talking about this except one person. Nobody. Corey Lynn at CoreySdigs.com. Mm. Look her up. She's pretty good. She's been on Catherine Austin Fitch. She's been on Whitney Webb. I mean, she's good. She's a fantastic investigative journalist. She wrote about a couple of things in that bill that are advancing the CBDC technocrat as, as legalizing it here in this country.
1: Yeah. So they're slowly sliding it in. Yep.
0: All right. I'll take a look at that. That's interesting. I can email you the link to the article.
1: Okay, great. Yeah, we'll take a look at that. Uh, Because, like I said, I I mean, did you have any idea that they almost forced it through in the first stimulus bill? Yes. Yeah, I found that when I was researching the company consensus, because they were essentially bragging about how close it was. And then all these guys in the Ethereum world were all you know disappointed that it didn't get forced through that's how i ended up coming across it and I'm like wow. well and, and look people the audience here needs to know this you know
0: many of the politicians these bills are so big they're thousands of pages many of them don't know all the stuff in this and they don't write it and neither do their uh their their assistants they don't write it either it's written by the industry you know when you read that book by anthony sutton you will find that the federal reserve act was written by whom the bankers. Mm-hmm. Period.
1: Yeah, and I and I think it's a good. This thing. This has been Even going on a hundred years. This is yeah. not new. Yeah, and I think folks that have been paying attention for at least, I would say, since Obama's presidency should know this by now, too, because it all came out during the uh, Obamacare Affordable Care Act. People started learning, oh, it's the lobbyists from the insurance companies, from the big pharma industry. that get together, they write the bills, and then they hand them to their guys inside the legislative staffer's office there that work for the congressman. And then they basically take those, they bind them together, and that becomes the bill. Well, (laughs) that was
0: news to me. I had no idea that crap was going on 100 years ago.
1: No, because you, you, you in your own mind you'd think a hundred years ago that a bill was one page. You know that's what that's what modern history would have you believe. Where they go, yeah, like if we did it like a hundred years ago, where a bill was one page and everything was open and honest. Yeah. No, yeah, you know, hasn't been. I mean, I I didn't even realize. And I've studied the the founding, but not like in super depth, you know, until legal man told the story and I went and looked it up. When they were basically debating the constitution, they did that behind closed doors and everything. Nobody actually knows what happened in the room. It's there's no actual written record of it. But that's not what you would believe if you went to the public uh school system here in the United States. No. Or the higher education college system. You wouldn't know it. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so we got to. So hey, in two hours, we've got through two documents. Well, I was going to say we've got ten minutes here. I I've got up on the screen. I've got this. Let's go through it. Let's go through this. Fifty countries uh, announced bold commitment to protect at least thirty percent of the world's land and ocean. Oh yeah, there we go. There's that thirty by (laughs) thirty.
0: It's called the One Planet Summit for biodiversity. Let's yeah. take a look at this. And it was the High Ambition Coalition, again, an organization I had never heard of until I saw it in a document, and I go, what the heck is that? I think it was a BIS document I saw that in. I went and looked it up, and that's where I found the 30 by
1: 30. Okay, and 30 by 30 is taking control of 30% of the planet's oceans by 2030. And agricultural land. Okay, so it's oceans and agriculture uh, together. Yep. Yep. Okay. So mm-hmm. what they're so let me just ask you because you explained it before how this is going to work when they start trading this stuff on the stock market, but who actually is taking control? Of, like who actually gets in control of it? Who who controls it? It'll
0: it'll it? be the IMF or the World Bank or somebody of that nature because it's done through debt. Uh, it goes into conservation. I don't know who's going to control the conservation yet. There's probably tons of these organizations. that, But it all funnels upward to the UN. Um, and again, this is a way they're going to create a market for carbon credits. And they're going to already own a, excuse me, a lot of carbon credits. So they're going to increase the value of their wealth through carbon credits. This is a way for them to steal 30% of the land and oceans in the southern hemisphere predominantly. And earn themselves a ton of money, and so here's an ad- alphabetical list of the 50 countries. You know, I think I highlight a few of the countries, but if you if you read these countries, Angola, Antigua, Barb, Bar- Bar- what is it, Barbados, Ar- Armenia, Australia. So Australia is a big country, Austria, Belgium, Belize. They're predominantly smaller, poorer countries in the
1: Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, so okay. So basically the grift here, as we mentioned earlier, they get in control of well, let's just say they controlled 30% of the oceans worldwide. Let's just pretend they did that, right? Now they're sitting on it and they're using that as they're gonna create their carbon their their carbon offset. Is a
0: carbon offset? Well, it's not just that. So they get thirty percent of the ocean, they've got a computer model that they built to value the carbon or the value that 30% of the ocean at whatever a quadrillion dollars and its IPO'd on the stock market at a quadrillion dollars now their personal wealth just went up a lot <laughs> and and they're going to make even more money on the carbon credits that that 30% of the ocean generates by not actually fishing so they they'll say they'll figure out a way to calculate just like the graph Going back to 1750 instead of 1979, they'll figure out a way to calculate the amount of carbon it, it is is emitted into the atmosphere for catching one tuna in the ocean. And they'll value that under again under their lock and key computer model. Nobody will be able to see it or question it, because science is settled. And then they could create value for that carbon credit for themselves. <sighs>
1: Okay, so let, let, let yeah, so let's put it in simple terms. Let, let's say I owned ten acres in West Virginia, right, and I was going to farm that land. So, they are going to send me, let's say my carbon bill every year is going to cost me $10,000, they say, that I'm admitting in carbon. So, instead, and then I'd have to be a big guy to be able to be in on this scam. So, instead, I do nothing with my land. I just leave it. So, I'm going to get $10,000 in a credit right, that I can then yep. sell that carbon credit to someone else who's a so-called polluter. This is what Elon Musk right. does with Tesla. And then I make yep. $10,000 a year by doing nothing. Nothing with the land. So what they're going to do is go steal land using all their uh, economic terrorist the uh, schemes. Yep. Yeah, all the debt traps. They're going to go steal the land, then allow nothing to be done on the land, and then issue themselves carbon credits that they can sell back into the system to other people that are actually fishing.
0: <laughs> and and not only the carbon credits get issued to themselves to to then go sell to somebody else, they get to value the oceans that you you know that are just being an ocean. Uh, and it's ipo'd on the
1: stock market again some arbitrary value that has no meaning well i was going to say it's arbitrary value with no meaning especially because they're not doing anything with it so you can own an ocean but what's the ocean actually producing
0: if the ocean isn't producing producing, a product or a service but it's also in, in their value it adds economic in their mind it adds economic value to the planet by not emitting carbon Right, but by that's what they're telling.
1: Right, right. That, Essentially, it becomes offset. That the an other offset. scientists yeah. will
0: tell you that the largest emitter of CO two on the planet is the oceans by far. Yeah,
1: think exactly. about
0: all the methane gas that bubbles that come up through the ocean floor. You know, have, has anybody ever looked into why ships and planes go down in the uh, in the Bermuda Triangle? It's the methane gas releasing.
1: Yeah, I had actually watched a documentary or something on. Basically, like whales, and it had to do with all all the whales were gone. There basically wouldn't be it had to do with something with, um, you know, the waste that they released. Now, whale bubbles to the top, like cow farts. No, this actually had to do with the fact that if we killed all the whales, there wouldn't be enough carbon emitted it all becomes part of the balance of our ecosystem with the oxygen that we breathe in and the carbon we release. And like, it was really good. Uh, it was like a mini documentary on it, talking about how you need all this carbon released from the ocean in order to keep the balance, you know? So, well. but it was just, this was not propaganda designed to, uh, to, to get away yeah. with the thirty thirty plan. Uh, but no, I mean, this is, uh, this is crazy. I, I would love to see the guys in action in the cloakrooms to come up with these plans.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Anyway, so why 30%? Like... Well, they, t- they tell you, right? here: The natural world provides critical resources that sustain all life on earth, including human life, from the air we breathe and the water we drink to the food we eat and ecosystem services that counter, counteract with damaging the damaging impacts of climate change. But evidence shows that the ongoing and rapid loss of natural areas across the world—I assume by natural areas they mean the Great Barrier Reef—but what they don't tell you is it's actually growing; um, it's it's no longer shrinking; it's growing. That came out, I think, a year or two ago. And the greening of the planet, like there's more green, you know, plants and trees <laughs> across the planet with all the, the CO2. Anyways, they don't they don't talk about that. Uh, so this na- it, it poses a grave threat to the health and security of all living things. Scientists have documented that humans have severely altered 66% of our ocean and 75% of our land areas. I'd love to see how they calculated that. Um, (laughs) They won't tell you. Researchers warn this loss of nature imperils our clean air and clean drinking water and survival of wildlife, the prosperity of communities, and our ability to protect ourselves from the impacts of changing climate. I'm going to read this and then I got a comment. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once our natural world is gone, there's no way to recreate the $125 trillion in economic (laughs) value that it provides each year. This is why they want 30%. They calculated (laughs) it to $125 trillion. (laughs) (laughs) This is crazy. I didn't make that number up. I read it in their documents. (laughs) And it's clear our economies must change the way we do business. Scientific evidence points to a way forward to prevent the mass extinction crisis, which entails the protection of a minimum 30% of the planet by 2030. And indigenous peoples and local communities are protectors of the most biodiverse areas in the world. So, the state the, hang on before you scroll down so yeah. they said this go back up there you go. So they said the scientific evidence points to a way forward to prevent this. okay I have a scientific method to, to prevent it also that's different from theirs. Stop using chemicals on the soil and the food. Stop using single source plastic. Stop using all this digital crypto crap that uses massive amounts of resources. Go analog and it reduces your carbon footprint anyways, right? If you want to save the planet. Um, And then stop the poisoning of the air with the chemtrails. Just this morning, I take the dog out. It's a crisp, bright clear blue sky i'm driving around running errands this morning before you and i start recording i counted no less than 25 separate chemtrails going across the sky and by noon we didn't have that crisp blue sky anymore it was a white haze and not (laughs) one cloud has moved in funny how they don't mention that as part of this evidence science is clear The scientific evidence is clear. They don't no mention of that. Nope. Gotta do it their
1: way. Okay. Yeah. Goodbye. And, and, Goodbye. Well, I was going to say, and for anybody, I, I have not done, I don't think, any specific shows on that. But for any, I mean, look, John Brennan, the former head of the CIA, is on record on video talking about geoengineering and all this stuff. China admits they cloud seed. We're even admitting it now. For So for anyone who's still left saying the chemtrails aren't real and the cloud seeding isn't real and the geoengineering and all this is conspiracy theory, the guys at the top of the food chain admit they're doing it. Bill Gates has talked about spraying aluminum into the air to block the sun from damaging the earth. I mean, they come right out in the open and they tell you what they're doing. It's not a conspiracy theory. They I have a homework assignment
0: for somebody in your audience. Yes. Okay. Somebody in the audience that knows science. All right. Go pull up the global production of arsenic by year. Mm. And ironically, it doubles in 2020 and 2021. I have no idea why. I've asked people to, to go figure it out. Nobody's come back to me yet. I would love to know what the what they did during a global pandemic, so to speak, <laughs> to use a doubling of arsenic. I'd love to know. I, I don't think... know. I don't profess to know. I don't want to speculate. I have no clue. I would love to know.
1: I think deep in your heart you know.
0: <laughs> I have an idea. I have hunches yeah. of, of what it possibly could be used for. Mm-hmm. But I would love to know where that doubled. It literally doubled from 2019 to 2020. It was flat for like a Mm. decade. The same amount every year up to 2020, and then it doubled
1: overnight. Right. So where is it going? What industry is using it? Where is it being stockpiled? And if anyone has any real evidence of this, you know, what's it being used for? As I've said to folks on the show all the time, you could take a vial of, uh, Moderna, a vial of Johnson Johnson, a vial of uh, any of these different, the nine or 10 different vaccines that were released around the world. And just because it has a set of ingredients that comes printed in the box, to me, that doesn't mean anything. Like when I go in a grocery store and I pick up a box of cereal, I don't necessarily believe the ingredients listed on there are even the ingredients. Why? Because the government told them they have to list the ingredients on the side of a box. I'm supposed to believe those are the real ingredients. Who the hell knows what's inside any of this stuff anymore? I don't trust yeah. anything. Um, that's why part of my thing, i talked, been talking about it, and I mentioned you You said it to me yesterday. I brought it up being self-sufficient. I mean, the more you grow in your, your own yard, and uh, next year, this, this spring, I'm going to look at doing some greenhouses to at least start to protect from whatever they're spraying up in the sky. You hate to sound right. crazy, but I, I tell people you can go have a homestead, uh, learn permaculture, build the whole thing. At the end of the day, they can spray the, the air and just kill all of your vegetables anyway. I mean, that stuff okay. can come. So you have to start thinking ahead about that as well, you know? Yep. Okay, so back to this uh, this
0: document, uh, reading the highlighted parts here. The most – comp and for the folks that are actually watching, um, you see I alternate colors, green and red. Red is typically uh, more important than green. But in some documents, it's just basically the color background of the document. I use green or red or yellow or blue to, so you can actually see it. Okay, so this is, this is in red. The most comprehensive analysis to date on the economic implications of nature conservation found that the benefits of protecting 30% of the planet would outweigh the cost by a ratio of 5 to 1. <laughs> a recent McKinsey study... And McKinsey is a, uh, is a big company. They're all over the UN documents and the World Economic Forum. So, you know, they're all in on it. They're not independent at all. Found that protecting 30% of the planet's land and 30% of the planet's ocean would create up to 650,000 jobs. Now, think about that. That's globally, people. Let me whip out my calculator real quick. I
1: have an idea. I know. I just started laughing to myself while uh, you read that. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and per- prote- Protecting the land, meaning hijacking it and roping it off with crime scene tape. Yeah. Will somehow create 650,000 jobs. It doesn't tell you about how many jobs it's going to eliminate, though. They didn't put that in well, there.
0: Well, I'm, I'm dividing sixty five 65- six 650,000 jobs into 7 billion people. Okay, people, that is point zero 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 nine two eight five seven one. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. Okay, and then it says, and support about thirty million jobs in ecotourism and sustainable fishing. Okay, well let's 30 million is a bigger number. Let's see what that turns out to be. Divided by seven billion people, right? That would be point oh oh nine eight zero zero four two eight five seven one four three. So that's creating a lot of jobs.
1: <laughs> okay. It's gonna create ecotourism.
0: Always, when they throw out numbers, people, and they, they, they you have to do the math, the simple math to intuitively understand put it into context so to speak just like we did with that graph that went back to 1750 on co2 emissions i mean the the first industrial revolution wasn't wasn't until 1900 something what the heck (laughs) carbon was emitted in 1750 clearly they they put that graph there for optics
1: Right. Yeah. And then the other thing is, since you're using red, then you should have a uh, deep red for extra important, because the key word here in this sentence is could 30 percent of the planet's ocean could that's, create that's up to 650,000 jobs, which you know what that means. That means Dustin was sitting in a room. He got tasked with writing this for McKinsey. And I go, hey, make yeah, up a guys. Number yeah it could we put in here that it could create a uh, two bajillion jobs and they go yeah throw that in there what the hell it could it could possibly do that and support what does support about 30 million jobs mean this shit is just made up like there's no way anybody could have projected any of this <laughs> no additional studies have
0: shown that marine protected areas could improve fisheries <laughs> recreation, natural hazard protection, uh, that was from some study in 2012, as well as food security. Food security. (laughs) So, I don't understand how we have food insecurity from fish. Um, But I guess if they think that we've fished all the tuna on the planet, then there's no more tuna that's food insecurity. I don't know. Anyways, with the potential to restore fish populations by over 600%, with positive spillover effects on commercial fishing as well. Well, look, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to tell you that if they, they take 30% of the ocean and don't allow anybody to fish in it, the fish populations are going to go up, not down
1: yeah definitely I, and, and if you, let me just ask you have you seen uh is there anything coming up in any of these documents that cross-reference with all of the new like lab-grown food and the late uh 3d printed food and all this other stuff that's uh coming down the pike because this is obviously all they they're... really talk
0: about is the you know they got to do get more regenerative farming uh sus- they talk about they use the word sustainable a lot sustainable agriculture but they don't go into details at the BIS level or the UN level on this stuff.
1: Right, and I, I just think people have to understand, because I've covered all the 3D printed stuff and the lab-grown stuff. I mean, th- th- I mean those markets are growing, you know, tremendously over the next few years. None of this is going to matter, because the the, the fresh... You know, bluefish that they're going to be or the tuna that they're going to be regenerating in the ocean there. That's not going to end up on your dinner plate because you're going to be getting 3D printed slop and cricket meat is what you're going to be eating. They're going to hijack all of the natural. We're talking about the food, the natural resources as far as food goes. And you're going to be getting from Amazon a pack of Impossible Burger. I mean, everything I've been reading, the direction they're moving in for the retail food industry Is eventually the brick and mortar grocery stores are going to be gone. Like that, those are written out over the next. I don't know. They might be able to reach that by 2030. Everything is going to move to an Amazon-based warehouse model where everything is delivered to you by Instacart drivers or who knows by then. It could be drones or autonomous vehicles. And one of the reasons why they're going to get rid of all meat, like steaks and everything, is because they can't have you as a a customer going, hey, I really like uh, my ribeyes to be a little fattier, look for a certain grain. No, the ribeye is going to be a 3D printed ribeye that just gets picked out of a bag by a robot in the warehouse and gets delivered to your door so part of the hijacking of all this is they're going to end up if they hijack 30 percent or 50 percent of all of the land and the natural resources then they're going to have the excuse to say hey guys we're saving the planet unfortunately you can't eat real fish anymore because all this is now protected conservation land that we control i i'm not
0: convinced they're going to force people to not eat Real food. I'm not convinced of that. Here's what I
1: think. Well, I, well, I don't think wow. you're going to be able to get it at the, the chain grocery stores, like Kroger, for instance, or a hole. Well, that may be true. That may be 25%, true. Uh, okay. Twenty five percent. uh Twenty five so thousand stores. Here. Let, let's unpack a few things here. First of all,
0: they're building vertical farm farming warehouses all over the country. That's that's not just for fun. They're going to literally produce vertical farm produce. No sunlight, no soil. It's hydroponics. Go look it up. You can you can yeah. all kinds of stuff on the internet, right? And they're going to distribute those probably, like you said, Amazon driver style. Uh, skip skip the middleman in the grocery store, right? And they that's, and, that's ability... all, and
1: that's all GMO food.
0: That's right. Yeah. That's right. They won't tell you that. They all also have RFID sensors on literally every head of lettuce, so yes. that they can track everything you eat. They, there was one guy I saw this uh, this little like interview with him, and he was one of these scientists. He talked about tracking coffee beans even after they're brewed. Oh my god, I got to see that one! So wow, that's it, crazy. It interesting, yeah. Christian over at uh, the Ice Age Farmer had that video like a year ago. It was really interesting. The three people interviewing this guy. The one, one person goes, have you tested this on animals? They didn't ask, have you tested this on humans? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And he goes, he, he started tap dancing so fast. Well, um, that's proprietary. And his head's rolling. Looking at, look at my head. He's like, he's all over the place. His eyes are all over the place. He's like, well, I'd have to get with legal. I don't know. We'd have to talk about maybe you sign an NDA, all this crap to answer the question. If it's been tested on plant on, on animals. So you've got that. They're building cricket factories all over the planet. Multi-billion dollar cricket factories. Not for fun. They're going to put crickets in the food. It may be using the Latin terms. I've seen that on the labels, so you won't know what the heck it is. To Dustin's point, you can't trust the food supply in your grocery stores. You can't trust the food supply at many restaurants. But I'm not convinced they're going to force us to not eat local like produce or local
1: food, local meat. I'm no, no oh, 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 I oh, oh yeah no 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 I, I I'm not saying that they're gonna do it locally I'm saying the safest bet people have is uh, like what I've been talking on the show is start to figure out how to grow your own get to be friends with the local farmers go to the farmers yeah. markets get people's phone numbers right. write them down in a notepad uh, like the lady farmer Carol we deal with she knows 20 other farmers she trades with people right. up in Lancaster Pennsylvania yeah you have to that's do that. the network There's a lot of that you have to get though, connected you, into. If you listen to a lot of these podcasters, they're like,
0: oh, they're not going to let you eat meat. They're not going to let you eat uh, beef. I, I don't buy that. I think, though, what they will do Well, is, they may make it, it harder to get it
1: through a traditional grocery harder to, store.
0: Harder because... to get with regulations. Harder to get because the price is going to be exorbitant. So people that don't have the income or the resources to buy it won't be able to buy it, right, because too expensive. Or B, if they go to the carbon credit system... You're only allotted so many carbon credits and beef will have a big carbon you know price if you will. and right. so you have to f- somehow find a way to get more carbon credits to eat the steak. They're going to price most people out of eating beef right They're not price you out of the system it. yeah they'll pr- that's just my opinion they'll uh, force they'll force it via or social engineer it basically based on on inflation price.
1: Exactly. Oh, no, you're, that you're 100% correct. I agree with that. Like, But one of the things is, like, say, the large grocery stores, all they have to do, if we lived in this grocery model, they all these guys, again, you send in the BlackRock, the Vanguard, the State Street, they control the grocery store, and the next thing you know, all the meat on that shelf is 3D printed meat. Now someone who owns a local grocery store because you'll hear somebody say, well if they're going to get rid of brick and mortar and they're going to make it all Amazon model, that's a great opportunity for someone to open a local grocery store. Well, guess what? Whatever that grocer wants to sell on his shelves, he has to get through the distributors. If the distributors are all controlled by a BlackRock Vanguard and state Street, that guy isn't allowed to put anything on his shelf. So that's why the local farmers are the most important network that people can build now. That's why I keep saying, congregate with like-minded folks. Start to build your own community i don't mean in your actual physical subdivision you live in if you live in the suburbs i'm saying the community of people that you're networked with you have to start to get to be friends because these are the local farmers you're going to be relying on who are going to have to go screw it guys we're going black market i mean i'm going to expand here and this is why community supported agriculture is so important because if you're Uh, paying a weekly fee or a monthly fee to a farm like that, those farmers are willing to talk to you because you're basically helping support their living and they love to grow food and they love to raise cattle. Those are the people you have to be uh, uh, connected to. You can't rely on Whole Foods and you can't rely on uh, Kroger or on Publix to deliver you these fresh foods. The guys at the grocery store barely know what's going on. The department managers, they're just there collecting a, a paycheck. So that's why I think it's important because again, like you're talking about with the crickets and everything, they use all the tricky words and the terms. Amazon's selling edible human cricket products right now. I found about 100 of them the other day. So this stuff obviously is being rolled out. Yeah, it is. Which is pretty good. I'll eat crickets. Screw it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just want to ask you before we run, because you, I've been talking about it, uh, You've been talking about it. I've heard Mike Moore talking about it. I know Maria Albanese has been making moves the last year as well, a lot of friends of mine. You're big on this too. Know your local farmer. And you went out, secured yourself like an eighth of a cow. Uh, We have those type of farmers that do that here. I mean, you're actually walking the walk. Uh, And that's what I keep telling people. It's time. This spring is a great time to spring into action if you haven't done it already.
0: I am rarely in a grocery store. And one of the things that Kelly and I want to do in 2023 is start making our own salad dressings, um, because that's largely what I go to the grocery store for or bananas. Cause we, we don't grow bananas in the Carolinas. Um, I get a, organic bananas to put into my smoothies. Um, Or orange juice, which you know really can't make at home because we don't grow oranges in the local community either in the Carolinas, I'm not in Florida. So, things like that, we go to the grocery store for. Um, but we want to reduce even the, um, we buy organic salad dressings now because we eat a lot of salad, but Mm -hmm. we want to start making our own again because we don't trust the, the sort, the sources even going into organic. You don't know. Could be an organic cricket. Who knows? (laughs) Right. Hey. We didn't, it we didn't spray that cricket with a pesticide, so it's organic.
1: I know. Um, well, that's that's the thing, too. I talked to local farmers about it. Even the term organic, when you're dealing with, you know, mainstream grocery store organic, they said it, it that definition could be bent in so many different ways because, again, the industry is actually writing the laws that create the definition, and it's changing all the time, and they said pretty much all the we organic brands are, yeah and they said pretty much all the organic brands that you're seeing in a store even organic bananas versus bananas they're all owned by the same big food people and so they said it, it's it there's no way you really even know now you if you trust your local farmer you know, they could be growing Different. GMO food. They could be using pesticides. I mean, you have to trust them. This is the part about building a personal yep. relationship with these people. You know, just like yep. if you go to the same barber for 20 years, you trust that guy, right? That he's going to use a comb that he cleaned instead of one that came off some guy's head with dandruff. I mean, that's part of trust. But the grocery managers, I know a lot of them. They're all nice people. But at the end of the day, they don't know where the shit comes from. And it shows up in a truck in the back of the store. They unload it and put it on the shelf. That's it. Yeah. No, we get 90% of our food,
0: I would say, from from local organic farmers at the farmer's market and
1: ranchers. Yeah, and how long have you been going out of your way to do it yet? When did you guys start? Really started uh, going on three
0: years ago. I mean, we were organic, but not mostly from the grocery store, you know, not the local farmers. Um, when I had my cholesterol diagnosed at 300 and had an oh crap moment i'm gonna die of a heart attack if i don't get this under control uh i went out to the farmer's market which i kind of loved anyways and i went to the regional one in the charlotte area which is a a really big one i I was always going to the little local ones like you know the little suburbs and stuff and it were mostly resellers they weren't farmers that actually stuck their hands in the dirt there were a few but they didn't have a lot of stuff so I went to this mm. regional one to try it, and it was massive. And they had this giant bay of organic farmers from the from the mountains of the Carolinas. And it was unbelievable. The amount of produce was insane. But that's when I started, because I had to change my diet. I didn't go on a statin. I fixed my cholesterol, people, by the way, with a, the guidance of a holistic cardiologist, not on my own, uh, with diet and supplements that my cardiologist put me on to mimic a statin. Um fixed it. And so that's that's what got us going on the on the on the farmers market and finding those farmers and, and the ranchers as well. And the food was so good. It, I mean it's night and day. That's all I don't know how oh. else to explain it. It's night and day. You could we tell the difference. Organic. We were literally yeah. buying organic at the grocery store. It's night and day getting it straight from the farmer. For example, you go buy organic lettuce in the box At the grocery store, whether it's Organic Girl or, you know, the grocery store's brand or whatever, right? Half the time, we open it that day or the next day to make a salad, and we're throwing half of it out because it's already bad, even though the expiration date says a week down the road, right? It's wet. It's already, you know, starting to wilt, not just wilt, but starting to decay. It's bad. I mean, I don't know how many times I got sick and tired of driving that bo- that little that little box of, of organic salad back to the grocery store and getting another box or a refund. I got sick and tired of it. I buy the same amount. It's actually 20% more lettuce, okay, mixed, mixed green lettuce from an organic farmer at the farmer's market, 20% more, same exact price as the organic price in the grocery store. I'm still eating it 10 days later.
1: Hmm. yep and the stuff looks totally different than the organic stuff at the store tastes like I don't, it, it's it, like that's the part that's amazing even with the stuff we grew here we did all organic soil that we got from the amish organic uh, compost and everything for the amish and then we got organic plants and seeds and stuff for the amish i'm telling like an heirloom tomato in my garden is like this big uh, and I yeah. get the same stuff from Farmer Carol that we use to supplement what we don't grow. You cut into that thing and you eat it. It's like this, especially when you don't eat garbage like Doritos and everything else. It's like a burst of flavor. You get an organic heirloom at the grocery store and it's like flavorless to me. I'm like, this isn't yeah. the same thing. And if you go to any of the real local farmers around here, like farmer carol like you get her beets and uh i make a lot of roasted beets and so it's like unbelievable like you could tell and people friends of ours go how do you know they're not just uh, buying that from the store and then reselling it i'm like well one they're losing money because they're actually selling it cheaper than the grocery store so that's how number one <laughs> i know that's not what they're doing i was like number two you can go to her farm all weekend and actually intern and walk around there and she's got different groups she has a school of the Deaf comes out, they volunteer, and her yeah. whole nine acres of the main part of the vegetable farm is all being farmed right in front of you. Then across the street, she has 60 acres where she does cattle, she has goats, and everything else. I said, So, unless she's a magician like David Copperfield and everything I'm seeing in real time is a metaverse illusion, uh, then I know that she's actually growing everything. It's, How do you well, know? If
0: you go to these farmers <laughs> on a weekly basis or bi week, you know, bi monthly basis, You, you, first of all, they got pictures of their farm. They got an address of their farm. You can go see their farm. Uh, But second, you, you're talking to them, right? You have a conversation with them. Don't just buy the food and leave, have a conversation with them. And when you're conversing, you pick up on little tidbits, you know, like, why did you have this, this summer versus that, that last summer, right? When you're going to them and they will tell you why they grew this versus that little tidbits like that. Look at their hands. Look at their fingernails.
1: They're not. Oh, yeah, <laughs> they're not clean. Yeah, they're that's full of dirt. That's like I just bought a bunch of sunchokes off of. Uh... Carol, and she was showing me, she goes, oh, yeah, over here is where uh, I do all the sun chokes after the squash is done because the soil is extra generated then, and I put the sun chokes in, and then the sun chokes, I mean, a lot of them love to talk about it because they love doing it, you mm-hmm. know, and you'll actually learn a lot of yeah. stuff. I mean, Carol used to run, she's like in her early 70s now, so she's cut back on the services yard, but she used to run classes there on horticulture and permaculture and teach people how to turn their yards into, into food gardens gardens because she loves sharing the the information uh, she's going to be yep. coming on the show actually another week i think to start she's going to cool. do a ser- series of shows on here about uh, farming in harmony with nature she's going to talk about how she got into this her family goes all the way back to like the 1600s and they owned a lot of land out in virginia they were like mountain men which is kind of how See, she, got she can into find this whole
0: documents thing. on her great 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 grandparents and how much carbon they emitted to go on that chart
1: <laughs> well i'm actually going to tell her that i'm part of the the gold standard conservation land trust, and I will be seizing 30% of her land to put into my land trust that I'm going to be trading on the stock market because it makes the world a better place. Yeah. (laughs) And if she just gives up 30% of her land, I can probably, I could create at least three jobs with that piece of land. (laughs) Over the course of four decades. Three jobs. <laughs> they didn't say actually in that document there how long it was going to take them to possibly create no, up didn't. to six hundred fifty thousand jobs. <laughs> no, they didn't. So,
0: it, uh, uh, but I would by doing that math, by doing that math on the fly, that gives people an idea of how my brain works when I'm reading this crap. It look six hundred fifty thousand sounds like a lot. Thirty million sounds like like a lot. But put, do the math and put it into context. It's not hard. I'm not doing ca- calculus. That was a simple math. Yeah. You
1: know, it's division. Well, it reminded me even when when Trump was running in twenty fifteen. Uh, you know, when he would go out there when he was pushing like American companies, and I used yeah. to think part of it was, I'm like, is he intentionally like laughing at us? He'd go out there and he goes, this is a friend of mine, Dave's Peach Company. We're going to give them a billion dollars. They're going to create nine jobs. Nine jobs. Add that to the left. I'm like, what is he talking about? Nine jobs. Like, or we're going to cut a deal with SoftBank. They're going to come and invest. They're going to build an Apple factory here. It's going to create 301 jobs. I'm like, that's something that a mayor negotiates. What the hell is the president of the United states negotiating some deal for 300 jobs it doesn't make any sense politics is sales
0: it is sales sales part i mean there's a few people that go i think a lot of people go into it you know having having good intentions but few remain that way
1: yeah i mean the ones who who try to do that or are either pushed out. They don't even get committee seats or anything. Well, so they you'll just never. No power, you'll, right? you'll never hear from them. Yeah, those are those ones. And otherwise, if you're a real pain in the neck, they just run somebody against you and force you out of there. You don't last very long. There's been a few over the years that have tried, and generally you just get forced out. All right, yep. Jim, so what we're going to do, I decided next time, I'm going to prep the audience the day before you come on. Or, or what I might do is I put out like a 10-minute, uh Show before the actual show. And I'm going to tell people if this is your first time listening, you want to go back, you want to listen to episode 80, 88, and 120 before you listen to the next one because we're not yeah. going to jerk around. We're going to just jump in and start tearing through all the documents next time. Because otherwise, we've got 640,000. Uh, <laughs> we won't create so. 650,000 jobs, but we can create 650,000 shows <laughs> off of these Exactly.
0: Well, and what we're going to, what people, so people don't get freaked out, this is going to take a a gazillion hours. As we go through more of these documents, there won't be as much dialogue in between um, because they're saying the same thing. You'll see these themes over and over and over and over again. Um, And so we'll be able to go through documents quicker. I mean, this is the first time we go through a BIS document, we're probably going to go through it in detail. First time we go through a UN document, we're probably going to go through it in detail, but not the fifth time.
1: Okay. And then let me just ask you this, uh, because I want to know if we're going to get to this here. So are you going to start to show, are we going to be able to see through the documents that the eventual, uh, let's call it their dream scenario, is that carbon and the carbon credit system will be tied to the central bank digital currency system? Is that where you see that they would like to get to? Like, would that be a goal of theirs? Mm Mm-hmm oh it is okay so that's how they want to eventually so when we're talking about the first iteration of cbdc like what we're seeing being tested through the enbridge project or what we're seeing the federal reserve testing here and now in cooperation with 12 like uh uh, private banks commercial banks the, the first iteration is that going to be tied to carbon or would their goal be let's say to go hey we want to start to distribute to cbdc carbon. through welfare and through uh um, social security so we can get x number of people to start to use it and start to measure some of the uh, transactions i
0: i don't know i i don't know but the bis enbridge document was cbdc the bis project genesis document is more about the carbon um so you'll see they're not directly linked but they talk about cbdc and project genesis so you'll it is kind of linked but i don't know how exactly they're going to come out of the gates
1: so yeah so you think so the carbon-based Okay, so if you wanted to believe him, based on the panel discussions, now we're essentially a, one central bank digital currency token. Let's say in the United States, it has the value of one U.S. dollar. So it operates like the stablecoin system, where one token is tied to one dollar. The eventual goal is what to create this? The value of the money the the central bank digital currency digital token the value of that will be based on the carbon credit market that's kind of how they want to do it if
0: i had to guess the cbdc rollout will be voluntarily largely at first it's still about it's probably 2030 it's seven to ten years away um as you as we'll see in some of these documents they're not close it's going to take a lot more work and each one of these uh studies takes 2 to 3 years and then they come up with more questions and more functionality they they want to add and it's going to take a while plus they got to change the laws right um so that'll be a slower process than they probably hope i i don't know exactly i think that if i had to guess the carbon credit system will come after that because by 2030 will they have 30% of the land no that's what they want
1: but they won't have it okay so then they can eventually sell that almost like tying the dollar to gold they're going to eventually say oh we've got the carbon standard now the carbon standard we can tie this to uh, carbon because there is an infinite amount they can create a whole you know scenario now is it your opinion based on what you researched so far that they will as far as mainstream goes, they're going to roll out CBDC on the uh, wholesale side before they actually roll it out on the retail side. That's the it, first it, thing you'd say? I think it depends. I think it depends. Some some documents, it's, that's what
0: it seems like. But look at Nigeria. Nigeria yeah. went to a retail CBDC a year ago, October of 21. And now f- for people that don't know the situation in Nigeria, I think only like 30% of the people have a bank account. Uh, or maybe it's 70, 80% don't have a bank account and 30% of the people are using some form of crypto, Bitcoin, or whatever. And so uh, uh, in October of 21, they issued the E, whatever their currency is, it, it's a CBDC from the Nigerian Central Bank. Well, they assessed it a year later, October of 2022, and only 0.5% of their population actually used the Central Bank Digital Currency. So what did they do in November, the very following month? They mandated it. How did they mandate it? Oh, you can only take out $45 uh, at the ATM at any one time, no more than $200 a week. It, it's, I mean, Oh, in cash. Yeah, in cash. In cash, right. They they limited the amount of cash you could take out of the bank. Um, you know, there's lots of things. I, I don't know what's going to happen in Nigeria. I certainly want to see how that plays out. Because we saw with the truckers in Canada and Trudeau and you know freezing bank accounts, there was a run on the banks. We saw in Ireland when they said they're going to close like eighty percent of the branches in rural areas, there was a run on the banks. <clears throat> uh, a, fr- a friend of I don't mine, about just, Nigeria.
1: Yeah, a friend of mine just told me about- that that her, no, her friend tried to close a, a savings account she had at um, I can't remember it was it was like Chase or Wells Fargo or something, one of the big ones. And she had a small branch where she lived, somewhere out in the bonies in Washington State, I think. And it oh, was there only $5,000 in the account. She said, hey, I'm closing the savings account. I want my $5,000. She was going to go invest it in something. They said, well, you can't do that. She said, what do you mean I can't? This was like two weeks ago. Like, what do you mean I can't do that? They said, we don't have $5,000 in cash here. She goes, you don't have $5,000 in cash. They said, we can give you $2,000. She goes, and you could just withdraw it from the account. She goes, no, I want to close my account with you and get my $5,000. That's what I want. They said, well, we can give you a, a bank check. She goes, well, what am I going to do with the bank check? I'm going to bring it to you to cash it. I want my money. It took her two weeks to finally get this big bank to close her account and give her her $5,000. Can you believe it? I mean, I can believe it, but yeah, that's pretty that doesn't. That, that doesn't, so I guess
0: it really... Uh, it depends right they they typically keep 100 200 300 grand on hand at a branch at any given time in a week or two weeks right mm. but if she went in when they were running low that week they may not have had 5 grand <laughs> that's crazy though. and they had they were waiting mm. on a Brakes truck to deliver it that's true mm. okay i don't know i mean yeah all of your listeners the first thing you should do is fire the big bank Yes, that is the first thing you should do. It's not hard, even if you don't have the time to go look up or want to go do the research on a on a state uh, non non Fed member bank. Just go go to any local bank. Any, I don't care if it's a Fed member bank. Go to any local bank and fire Bank of America, fire J P Morgan, fire Chase, fire the big banks immediately. Mm-hmm. Do yeah. that first, then go do your homework on whether that local bank you just went to is a fed member bank or not go do your homework, but you should literally go out next week and fire the big bank.
1: Mm -hmm. This is the first thing anybody should do. Yep. And use cash
0: and use cash
1: and go meet your local
0: farmers. And so one of the things I wanted to say as we were going through this, I know we're over time, you know, these experiments and these this technocrat system they want to employ is kind of similar to uh, an exercise you would run in, in some kind of MBA school, right? It works great in the classroom, classroom. But they don't they never factor in human beings and how they might how they might be affected and how they might think and how they might react. How many black markets are going to be created across the globe? in everything if they get this system up and running
1: oh uh, yeah and i agree with you because uh as i mentioned in the very beginning of the show technocracy being the science of social engineering and it's also the systematic control of the means of production and distribution of goods and services which is what cbdc will be they want to control everything down to the last transaction and that goes from you buying every a fish cup of coffee Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you buying a cup of coffee all the way up to the distributor who has to buy the beans from the guy who farms them or the people that pick them. And so, I mean, that's what they want. That's what they want. But at the end of the day, that's why I'm telling people in the audience, too, if you could start to develop... Uh, services or products or stuff you could develop in yourself where you cut out the most amount of people from the supply chain, those become the products that you're going to be able to sell and barter on a local level. And those are the black markets that will start all over the place. Look, they want to play this game, and it goes back to the energy certificates from 1930, where the CBDC they're going to distribute to you you can't buy it, you can't sell it, you can't trade it, you can't transfer it. That all has to do with not allowing people to build wealth. That's part of the whole plan, is they distribute you 500 tokens a week, you have to spend them by Friday, you cannot save them or transfer them. Okay, well, that, that all sounds good if you want to run a prison, prison plan and slave system, but at the end of the day, how many real people are actually going, whether you're socially engineering them into this over 10 years, 20 years, 25 years, at the end of the day are really going to end up agreeing to that. You know, like, you know, it's like having a a waiter or waitress that gets tips in cash and you expect, you really believe that all 100% of the tips they get in cash they're claiming on their taxes. I mean, those are the natural black markets that will start when they try to enforce a system like this. Yeah,
0: and when you said that about the CBDC, I mean, people need to, some of this stuff is obvious, okay? If they tell you that they need to take 30% of the land and 30% of the oceans to save the planet, you know it's not to save the planet because they had they didn't want to save the planet the last 100 years. They poisoned the crap out of the planet the last 100 years. So you know it's just a grift that they want to take 30% of the land and the, and the ocean and make a ton of money for themselves. When they tell you CBDC is all about equality and banking and, and inclusivity... It's all about inequality and making more money for the elite and less money for everybody else.
1: Yeah, it's yep. not hard. No, and if they wanted of, to, <laughs> yeah, if they wanted to save the land, they'd be giving it to people like Farmer Carol, people like Jim, people like myself, everyone who wants to build a homestead and grow your, grow your own vegetables. That's what they would be doing. They were, they'd get right. back to the plan if where they, they gave really, everyone an acre and said, "Here, go grow your own vegetables. Good luck." If they really wanted regenerative farming, they would be funding
0: regenerative farmers now instead of regulating them out of business or trying to steal their farm
1: exactly exactly all right jim that sounds uh sounds great i appreciate it very much um and then as we said we've got what 232 more episodes to go <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll speed it up no let's we'll we'll be yeah definitely uh when when's the next time you think you want to uh, stop by Good to know. Oh, you want to do it tomorrow? Sure. All right, sounds good to me. Let's do we'll it. Do Let's do start cranking Friday. it. There. Oh no! All right, yeah. that makes per- that makes perfect sense then, because that way we don't have the long gaps between the shows, and we got to catch everybody back up. So, I'm done folks- reading documents, man.
0: So <laughs> I've read over a thousand pages. It might be over two thousand pages. I'm done reading <laughs> documents for a long time.
1: Oh, that's perfect! All right, so folks, what I recommend you do is listen to. And I know there was thousands of people that listened. So, but I know there's more people. like listening to the show every day. So if you haven't, go back and listen to episode 80. Listen to episode 88 while you're on your little vacation between Christmas and New Year's. And then you can listen to this uh, 120 and then we'll just try to knock out as many as we can before the end of the week and hopefully get all caught up on this. And then if you guys are interested in talking to Jim directly about what he does, again, he's talked about this on the Thomas Payne podcast, on the Hotwire with Mike Moore, you guys can join Pain.tv slash gold, and you could reach out to him on there. You could direct message me there, and I'll give you the link to his profile. We just don't put his name out, last name out publicly because what the hell? There's crazy people everywhere. And plus, uh, Jim's got a hot product, and he can't handle all the sales calls he'll be getting. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, reach out to me on there, and I'll give you a link to Jim's uh, profile if you want to join pain.tv slash gold, or I'll have the links. Uh, he got off Twitter and everything, so you guys can email me if you want. I can give you his uh, email address. Yeah, I'm so glad. I don't miss Twitter at all. Sorry, uh, I've been on and off there since well years ago when I was in the the comedy, but it's total waste of time. All you lasted, do is end up getting in fights with people. I lasted yeah. might have been it might have been seven months. Yeah,
0: that was it. I was done. But,
1: it's not worth it I mean like you've built a a better network of friends and uh, you know allies in this people that send you information customers stuff like that over at pain.t that's why I tell people just go there it's a like-minded group of folks it's not an echo chamber people will argue with there if you want to if you want to argue but um, people are generally all about trying to find solutions and again we're going to argue somewhat because our goals are different like I want to live up on a mountain in West Virginia that's not what Jim wants to do so our solution. Solutions to get to those goals are going to be different. That's why when people want a one-size-fits-all solution to everything, it doesn't exist because everybody's goals are different. But the more you're educated on these topics, the more realistic goals you can start to develop and actually figure out how to achieve those. All right, Jim, I thank you very much. For everyone else, you can leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts and a comment. Join us at pain.tv slash gold. If you'd like to leave a donation for the show, it is donorbox.org slash dustin gold show thank you very much jim we appreciate it we'll see you tomorrow have a great day everyone this is the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold my name is dustin gold
0: the matrix is a computer generated dream world Hmm.
1: built to keep us under control in order to change a human being you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv